Hello and welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Ghoul Squad podcast, everybody. I'm Keegan Preslak. I'm Eric Hoff. And this is a horror podcast where two buddies in the middle of nowhere get together, hopefully once a month, and talk about horror movies. Hello, Eric. How are you? I'm great. I'm chill. Happy chill. to be here. Happy to be on the pod. Sure. I feel like we're early, but apparently we're late. I kind of think we're late because it's like it's July now, and in a way we missed May, but then sort of we didn't because we did two podcasts in April. I don't really know where we're at. All I know is you're across from me, and you're wearing a Ghoul Squad t-shirt. So we must be recording a Ghoul Squad episode. Well, actually, it's the first time I've ever seen you wearing a Ghoul Squad t-shirt, so it doesn't mean anything. This but, is also uh, true. Where'd you get that? Uh, Film Fed, yes. as you last heard on our last episode. Hooked yes. it up for me. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Film Fed, for sending that for his birthday. On our last episode, it was funny because like I made it all about your birthday and all about like your gift and all this stuff, and I forgot like a week after we recorded that it was my birthday. I had totally forgotten. June seventeenth, June seventeenth, exactly. Yeah. Um. So we both had birthdays in the last time. We're both a year older and a mm. year, uh, dumber. Woke up older. Yes, exactly. Yep. So how are you, Eric? How is your job going? Tell us about the dogs. Tell us about the. I'm afraid uh, I don't have any uh, new dog stories to tell. Unfortunately, oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, that's. You know, the greatest aspect of the job. How's the job going? How's the Amazon packages? A lot. How's your package? Small. (laughs) You're talking about a package at work, of course. Yes, of course. Yes. How's work going for you? Well, you know, it's okay. Uh, Same stuff as always, I guess. Same shit as always. Yeah. How was your July 4th? Oh, it was chill. What'd you do? Uh, My mom, after I skated, my mom, brother, and I, uh, there's a church up on a hill. We went there and watched the fireworks. Nice. Nice. Oh, I went to uh, Milton's with some buddies. They were closed for the July 4th. Uh, Milton's is a brewery in our small town. And uh, it's right on the river uh, in our small town of Carlsbad, New Mexico. They do fireworks on the river. And uh, we watched them from there and drank So you had pretty good seats then, huh? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, A little cookout, some burgers, some beers. That sounds good. The only thing thing that could have been better would have been blood, beasts, and babes. Yeah, well, babes would have been nice, but there were, <laughs> I don't know. I guess there were a couple babes there, but uh, they weren't available, if you know what I mean. So, uh, enough no, about. No, explain it to me, please. You want me to explain? Yes. Uh, well, they were taken, no, they were spoken for. So, anyways, enough with this horrendous uh, introduction <laughs> to the podcast. Uh, hello, everybody out there. We're so happy to be here. Happy recording. So, we know someone that's happy to hear us. Uh, we got a new review. <laughs> we got a new review on uh, iTunes. Uh, and I'm going to read it now. It is from AIS Honesty. Um, so I'm actually not sure who this is. Hit us up on Twitter or uh, Instagram if this is you. Uh, but he left us a five-star review that's freaking awesome. So uh, I will read it now. Huge horror fan here. So great to listen to you guys examine and celebrate the genre. I have a job working in many stock rooms of a major department store, so I spend a great deal of time isolated, which I prefer while working. But your pod fills my billable hours with laughter, which is good. It sounds like we are helping him make money by listening to us talk about horror movies. Or just get through the day. That's true. Uh, He goes on. uh, I appreciate hearing in-depth discussions over flicks I've already seen, and especially ones I haven't. It's a great thing to feel 
you're pretty well versed in the history of horror cinema, only to discover there are numerous hidden corridors and passageways into subgenres and would be classics, the likes of which we've never known. Please never stop. You keep podcasting, I'll keep listening. Awesome. Thank you so much. AIS Honesty. Uh, his title was So I'm Hooked. So he's hooked on us, which is cool. Thank you so much for leaving that review. Very flattering. Um, I know I listen to podcasts to get through my horrible day. So it's cool knowing that people get through their terrible days with us. Right. Another piece of housekeeping for this episode of the podcast is we're now available on Spotify, which is freaking sick. Thanks to Anchor, our uh, new podcast host. Um, they got us distributed to Spotify. So search us or just go to anchor.fm slash ghoul squad FM. And you can click listen on other platforms, click Spotify. You'll go right to us or just search ghoul squad on the Spotify app. We are there. So listen to us there. And thanks to anchor. They're amazing to us. And what is our episode this week, Eric, before we get into the whole thing? Sure. We are doing watch this part two, but there's a twist. Yes. Uh, the films that were recommended to us were from some of our awesome listeners. Yes. Uh, some of our listeners decided for us that uh, we should not recommend films to each other and that we should have them recommend films to us. Um, so what you'll receive at the end of this podcast is six full reviews from uh, the two of us. So six total, three each. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were recommended to us by uh, some of our loyal listeners. So uh, stay tuned for that. Next thing on our housekeeping list here is uh, somebody on our, one of our previous podcasts named Mike E. M. Pengel. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, he left us a review a long time ago. He's really cool. I met him on Blu-ray.com. <clears throat> Anyways, he started a podcast called uh, Celluloid Chat. And uh, his first episode's up on iTunes. And I listened to it. And I think it's pretty cool. It sounds sounds good. Uh, the guys um, have a already a real, pretty good camaraderie. And it's their first uh, episode. So I really liked it. Check out celluloid chat. It's on iTunes. And cool was he actually shouted us out on his first episode. And he said that we inspired him to start his podcast. He said he'd want to do a podcast forever, but listening to us pushed him to finally do it. Um, so that's exciting. I guess I'm gonna feel really, really bad when one of these reviews say that we push them to like kill themselves. Yeah. But getting you through your work day, getting you motivated to start a new pod. That's fantastic. Yeah. Even if Eric's not motivated for the pod, at least somebody is. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so anyways, Mike E, uh, podcast, Celluloid Chat. Thank you so much for shouting us out, and we really appreciate it uh, out there. Uh, another thing of housekeeping, Don and Ellie, shout out, shared our podcast on Facebook. He has a, a roundup post on Facebook of new episodes, and he shared us. So Don and Ellie, thank you. Uh, finally, Edward is Truth on Instagram thanked us, and more importantly, thanked Eric. Mr. Coffins for introducing him to the Jason's song Looney Bin, which sounds like, Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. Well, stay tuned to learn of more horror punk soon. Yes. Edward, Edward Alvarado. Thank you so much, man, for shouting us out on Instagram. We hope that you're listening and we hope that you hear that uh, notification going off on my phone right now. Yes. From ESPN. Edward, Thank you so much for listening to us, man. I know I found so much weird music through Eric as well. So I'm you don't you. listen. I don't listen to anything. <laughs> I don't listen to you right now. So uh, I think that's it for the, the housekeeping. Housekeeping. So, housekeeping. You want meant for pillow? Before we get to what we've been watching, uh, I wanted to give an update to our last episode. We talked about the Halloween trailer that was about to come out. Yes. Uh, and so I can shut up. Eric. Since then, it has what did been you released. Think, what did you think of the Halloween trailer? You know, uh, it's a new Halloween. Let's get excited. 
Hell yeah. Are, are we already excited? For sure. We yeah. were excited before the trailer yep. uh, dropped. I'm all on board for how they're just going to fucking retcon all the goddamn sequels. I'm on board for how he's not going to be fucking supernatural. There's yep. no family relation. I like how it feels like a clean start, mm-hmm. but it's like a sequel as well. I mean, everything you're telling me, everything they're showing me is checking my boxes. Same here, man. I'm with you. Like, it's weird because I it, I never crossed my mind that people could be upset about the the fact that the sequels aren't included. Like, guys, there's like ten of these Halloween movies, and, and some of them have already ignored each other. And there's no way to like keep going with the Thorn or the Man in Black or H2O already forgot other films. So like, who cares, right? I, I um, didn't know there was people upset. Yeah, I guess some some people are about the content. Oh, well, when does this take place? You know, as much as I love Halloween 2, who cares, man? Right. Halloween 2 is a great movie in itself. I'll watch it forever. And now we'll have this movie. So I just don't I don't understand why like sequels don't ruin the previous films, you know? Right. That's just the the films exist already. So but I'm with you, yeah, dude. I, I mean, just cuz we're getting this film doesn't mean those other films are erased from the universe. Yes. Um, you can still watch them. I got to say like my favorite thing about the uh Halloween trailer that dropped is like there's that whole opening to the trailer of like uh, Michael in the Insane Asylum where they pull the mask out, which yes. is probably like the coolest part. I like the floor. Yeah, I do it's too. those big squares that are red yeah, and white. Exactly, yeah. It's really pretty. It's like a wide shot. And then, um, so after that whole thing takes place, it shows like the Blumhouse logo and the Universal logo, but they start playing like some of the piano of, of, uh, Carpenter's, theme? of Carpenter's theme. Uh, it almost reminded me of how they're using like the Jurassic Park theme in the newest uh, trailers and stuff for Jurassic World, both Jurassic World films. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you guys remember this? Yeah. Right. Well, it's right. back. Right. Uh, so it's really cool. Uh, I, I can't wait. Carpenter's actually doing the fucking score. Amazing. Like, I can't believe this is happening. I think it looks awesome. You know, I'm. It's. I feel like I'm just trying to keep my expectations. I don't want to say low because that sounds bad. But I'm trying to keep them down so I can just be fucking pumped for whatever the hell it is. Right. That's the Halloween trailer update. And now, I think it's time to get to what we've been watching. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And there's been one big horror film. Yes. In theaters, uh, I guess since our last episode. And, uh... That film was hereditary. That film was hereditary. Yes. So what did you think of hereditary, Eric? Um, I loved it. It's been like a month since it's, we saw it's it. It's been a month since, and I've only saw it one time. Same here. I, I really, really uh, dug it. I genuinely thought it was scary. Yeah. Um, moments in the film made me uh, uncomfortable. There was moments where I threw my hands up in the air from where I was just shocked <laughs> at what was taking place right. on screen. And as corny as this sounds, as silly as this sounds, I feel like I just got over it a few weeks ago. Really? Yeah. Like going to bed, being like, fuck, this is scary. 
thinking of moments in that film yeah, yeah, and yeah. like just a few weeks ago like okay i'm not worried about hereditary anymore and then i'm gonna fucking watch it on blue september 4th yeah and it's just gonna start all over again yeah i'm pumped because they're uh they're actually putting hereditary out on 4k which i just didn't expect at all i saw that um so i'm gonna pick that up but yeah i'm with you 100 percent like uh even to this day like when i walk in like you know i live in an apartment and when i walk into a dark room i just see like a dark corner of a ceiling mm-hmm. and i can't i I now only think of a couple images from this film. Um, so it's still working for me, but you know, ultimately, so I love hereditary as well, mm-hmm. right? I'm totally with you. Um, you know, it's a month ago, so I'm trying to think of how to, how to explain it, but maybe should we even explain what the film's about? The film is about a mother that has two children and her mother passes away. And it's about her, like basically taking care of her family and taking care of, sort of the grandmother's death and all these things. And then over, over the course of the film stuff pops off and like the film isn't what you think it's going to be at all. And it goes in crazy horror places. Deals a lot with, uh, grief and depression for sure. Um, that a family, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, an immediate family, um, can, can go through, will go through whenever there's a loss of a, a close, uh, family member. And then when you inflict paranormal elements upon them, shit just gets crazy. Yeah. No, I think that's a perfect way to explain it. And like, it's also about like the things that we get from our parents and the things that we get. That's why it's called hereditary. Like the, the things that gets passed down to us, um, even things that aren't normal. Right. So they're passed like paranormal things passed down in a way. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's hereditary, but yeah, I loved it. Um, I was blown away by it when I saw it. Uh, I didn't ultimately think, you know, I hate how I always do this. Like, Oh, like I loved it, but I didn't ultimately think it was like scary as hell or anything. Um, I thought there were a couple images that I thought were scary. So I've thought about those since. So don't get me wrong. Those couple things did scare me. I didn't really find the film scary, uh, really at any point. Um, I thought it was like really tense, you know? So, uh, it kind of felt like the witch in that way for me. And I also love the witch. So, But uh, I didn't find it that scary. Like, I think even the Babadook is scarier than this. And people don't think the Babadook is scary. So, uh, but ultimately, Hereditary is really good. What we find scary is objective. For sure. For sure. I I just don't, you know, I think a lot of people find, like, specific imagery scary. And I don't know. I find, like, more. You know what does me in? What's that? I want to know. Knocking on a wall or a door in a film. Sure. Every time. Just like, oh, God. Well, that works for me in, like. Uh, the strangers, right? Mm-hmm. So like the strangers, all they do is just, just a lot, like loud pounding <laughs> on the fucking door. Yep. Um, that'll creep me out. So I, the only note I have down here, in my notes for hereditary is, I don't know if you heard this or if you remember, we saw it in our small town of Carlsbad, New Mexico. And the guy in front of us stood up when it ended and he turned around and looked at us. Was I with you? Uh, uh I think we sat right next to each other. Okay. Yep. Doesn't remember. That's nice, Eric. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, Sounds he stood right. up and looked at us and looked at the crowd and he said, did anyone get that? And I, I, I looked at him and I'm not being a dick. I was, I, I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking actually, yeah, like, right. Um, the whole end of this film is explained to you. Like I was actually kind of shocked that hereditary took the time to explain what had just happened. I don't know if you remember that. Like there's a final scene in the film where they like, to me at least laid out the whole thing. I'm like, Oh, okay. Hell yeah. That's what it was. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then for that guy to say he didn't get it, I'm like, I just fucking said what happened. 
you know, hell payment. Right. So I, I don't know. So anyways, hereditary. Anything else on that? Just that I liked it a bunch. Same here. I was going to ask you, do you want to talk about Jurassic World at all? Just for a second. What'd oh, you think? I haven't talked to you about it. We don't talk to each other anymore. So that's, that's true. Uh, you know what? I don't give a shit about Jurassic World. Sure. Or Park. Um, I did watch Fallen Kingdom. Um, it kept me, I was entertained at least that first half, mm-hmm. like the whole island explosion shit. And then you would think that the uh, second half of the film, mm-hmm. which kind of plays out like a monster film. I agree, yeah. Um, you know, this su- new super dinosaur, super killer dinosaur is loose in this house. Um, I thought that was real boring. I was kind of like, eh, let's get going. Yeah. And uh, that's the film. Yeah, I think it definitely has. I know it's not a horror movie, but it has horror elements. And we talk genre stuff on here. We talk definitely. Pacific Rim. So I think we can talk Jurassic World. Sure. Uh, Fallen Kingdom. I really liked I really liked it. Mm-hmm. It's not great, right? But there's two sequences in the film that I thought were mind-blowing. Uh, one deals with uh, a gyrosphere in the water, which is like a one-shot while they're sinking. Uh, and the other was the dinosaur uh, hunting down the child mm-hmm. uh, in, in her bed. Um, those things are fucking awesome. And the film is like directed so, so, so much better than the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one was by Colin Trevorrow. This was J.A. Bayona. J.A. Bayona did uh, The Impossible recently, which is a movie I love about uh, a tsunami. And yeah, he directed the shit out of this movie, but ultimately it's not that good. Um, but I liked it. The scene where they're finally escaping and some of the dinosaurs don't make it. Yeah. That was sad. Yeah, it was sad. I guess that's like a big thing online. Like people are like pissed at the movie for that. Why? I don't I have no, no idea. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's wrong with anybody anymore. That's that's such a weird thing to be upset about. I agree. Uh, I I agree, and it's funny because like I'm not saying it's a great movie. They're upset but that the film made them sad. I guess. Like, I think it was because it was manipulative. Like it wasn't. I think most people are saying it's not an earned moment. No. Uh, really? Why is it not? I feel like it's fine. Yeah. The whole film is treading on our nostalgia for the original film anyway. Mm-hmm. So what does it matter if they use that nostalgia in a manipulative way? It's the same thing the film is doing the entire time. Mm-hmm. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I really liked it. There's two like brilliantly directed sequences. There's a couple shots of the Indoraptor on top of uh, like the castle house with like the moon in the background. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking dope. Movie, it's okay. But there's a couple dope ass shit in the movie. I also feel like there's definitely an Alien 3 reference when it's just like right in the little girl's face and it's just like its teeth. Yeah. And it's just like, I guess it's supposed to be saliva just like, you know, drooling down yeah. its teeth. Yeah. That's fucking sick. Um, there's a bunch of really cool shit like that. But ultimately, like, you're right. It has pacing issues uh, for sure. And that's what kind of you're saying. It's boring. Um, I totally agree. So give me something from you. Give me what we've been watching. Let's go. Okay. Eric. I, well, I played a little catch up. Okay. Catch up. Uh, like two, you ate some catch up. Correct. Okay. Uh, with my fries. Uh, two films you've already spoken about. So we don't have to stay at length. Cats up uh, on, on either of these films. I'm but excited. I finally watched Revenge. Nice. And yes. Annihilation. And I'll start with uh, Revenge first. Uh, I fucking loved it. This was like, I feel like this is a rape revenge film that I can get behind. For sure, yeah. Uh, I can champion. And one of those reasons is we don't have to see the rape. Totally. And we barely even hear it. Um, And then I just love how it descends into this like gory madness. I, I like how there's no explanation of how she's a badass. Yeah. Did I miss that? I don't think so, no. All of a sudden, she's just fucking Sarah Connor destroying these dudes. I think the idea was like an activation of like will. 
Like, you're thrown off a cliff. Let's fucking go. Oh, dude. Yeah. And I think that's what it was supposed to be. There was like, yeah, actions in the film where I was like, oh, how is she getting out of this? Right. And then I love how she always overcomes just these insane obstacles. And then, of course, uh, I guess the horror movie fan in me loved how violent yeah. and uh, gruesome that it got. I loved so much, and I hope this isn't a spoiler because this felt so appropriate to me, that the climax of the film yes. would end with the main villain, a man, completely naked. Yeah, that was, uh, that was and awesome. And I thought that was terrific. It's just this insane chase scene inside a house. It's a circular house. And like most of the house in there is white. Yeah, so and it's just yeah. like turning red as the chase continues. Yes. Um, it was so fucking intense for a chase that takes place in a single location. I 100% agree. And it's because um, it was like slippery and shit. So they're like trying to get to each other, but they can't. And then, right. Yeah. Um, there was some symbolism that I think may have gone over me. Like when she burnt, when she cauterizes her wound. I love that. And she uses a beer can and now she has like the beer cans logo on her stomach. And yeah. it's like an eagle. Yeah. I don't know what that was going for. Well, it's a phoenix okay. rising from the ashes. Ah, gotcha yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. gotcha now. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's a fucking badass it's a it's a badass woman causing a bloody mess yeah fuck yeah i loved revenge yeah i i really liked it and i hope i hope that you know it came off last time i loved revenge i just i was a little too hyped for it Mm -hmm. like i thought it was going to be this year's raw for me and i i liked raw more Mm -hmm. than this but i really liked revenge um there are a couple other films that i've seen so far this year that i have enjoyed more yeah but i'm incredibly stoked on revenge yeah i'm with you so um, I, also, yeah. I, also, I also mentioned uh, annihilation well i'm uh, terrified for you to talk about this this is, this is my uh, favorite movie of the year so far this is natalie portman uh oscar writ- isaac uh, di- oscar isaac uh directed and written for the screen by alex garland who mm-hmm. horror fans should know from uh 28 days later or from the sci-fi genre of ex machina um i fucking loved it i was so this mystery that the film sets forth that something falls from the fucking, from space. Mm -hmm. And it's growing. And everybody who's ever gone into this fucking dome, they call the shimmer, never returns. So when, so when one dude finally returns, um, another team decides to go in to uh, investigate. Natalie Portman wants to go in because it's her husband. Um, To try to figure out how to save him. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. He starts suffering massive organ failure when he comes out of the shimmer. Um, Tell me about it, Doc. I just, it's, like I said, the the mystery of like, okay, well, what is the Shimmer? Mm-hmm. How did he survive? How is he dying now? I think what got me most excited, what's in the Shimmer? Yeah. What they see, what they experience. There is a, I'm just going to call it the interrogation scene. Mm-hmm. But holy shit. I think you can say the, you, you can say the word bear. Holy shit. I well, I don't want to say what happens. Okay. But oh my gosh. Uh, I'm getting excited thinking. Um of that moment. There's moments of paranoia where the women start um, not trusting each other. It all just kind of plays on all these themes of self-destruction that I just thought was fucking incredible. Yeah. I mean, you, it's funny cause it's my, my favorite movie of the year so far, but you just reviewed it better than I did than I have in like the last two episodes. So oh, I'm, and, I agree with you. And then just like um, the visuals yeah. of the film, just like um, it's a bafflingly beautiful gorgeous fucking journey i hope this isn't uh 
a, a spoiler, but like you learn inside the shimmer, things are mutated, refracting, uh, plant life, animals. And so things are not, you know, it's like normal things that we see, mm-hmm. but with some type of crazy alteration. Yeah. And it was just cool to see that spin on an alligator. Yeah, for sure, man. It's, I mean, you know, I've talked a lot about Annihilation, so maybe I won't, but why don't you tell me, you know, let's not spoil it, but tell me what you thought of the ending. Because I, I haven't been able to speak to anybody but Jamie. I saw it with Jamie. Didn't he sleep through the film? I think so. Uh, sorry, Jamie. Uh, uh, I haven't been able to talk to anybody about it, so, so tell me what you thought of the okay, ending. Okay, so. And then we'll move I'm on to sure something else. i understood it 100%. Okay, sure. Uh, but I will say, like, holy fuck. Yeah. Um from what I guess what I was able to grasp. Did you like the ambiguousness of that scene? I was fine with it. Yeah. You know what I was also fine with was the fucking score, particularly in the moment when we're just called the thing starts taking shape. Yeah. And I don't know. It just, this music like swells up when we finally have a face for, I Dude, guess it's, it's the antagonist. Sure. Um, uh, so cool. Yeah. The, the score at the end, like it's so fucking, um, it plays in the menu and I kind of just want to leave the menu going. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the score is like, it, I'm trying to think how to explain it. Like it's really primal, savage, brutal. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's very re- resounding, you know, a, a powerful, right. uh, explosive type score. And kind then of, kind of like increasing the stakes in that moment. Yeah. And there's, there's stuff at the end where like, you're just left with your mouth agape, like what the fuck? And the score just stops. And it's just like silent and you're just like, what, what? And then like it, it explodes again. And it's just fucking anyways, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy I, to hear you I, like Annihilation. I, I greatly enjoyed it. I'm, I'm eager to revisit. Yeah. It's funny because when I, I saw it in El Paso and then I had to wait for the Blu-ray, I got it the day I could get it and I watched it the next day. Um, so, cause I just couldn't wait to see it again. Cause it's just such a, a film. You're like, what is this? What is this? And then when you know what it is. It's actually almost better. That's what I was just going to say. Like, I feel like it'll play better for sure on a second viewing. It does. Cause you know what to expect. Like, Oh, there's not going to be a fucking Xenomorph popping out. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, but maybe there are zombies. I don't know. Maybe you just got to watch the fucking shit. Yeah. Check out that fucking shit. Mm-hmm. So annihilation. We love it. Yes. Yeah. I thought, uh, Natalie, not horror, but fantastic film. I love Natalie Portman's performance in the film. And, uh, I just love how like understated the whole beginning is like, I don't know if you remember. It's like, it's like this really light guitar like playing while the while the um title card comes up. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. It's fucking dope. Annihilation. We love it. Good uh good stuff. All right, let's see. What have you been watching? So I haven't been watching that much, uh, but I did rewatch Strangers Pray at Night. Okay. We've talked a lot about this, right? But uh yeah. What else is there to say? I fucking loved it again. Me too. Um I did notice, you know, there is kind of a so the film sort of, it pipes up at the beginning and then there's just a lull where it's like waiting to get to the end. Where it just pipes it up. Pipe it up. <laughs> Pipe it up. Uh, that's exactly how I feel because uh, the whole ending scenes of the film, it's like the last 30 minutes. Uh, is like the fucking best horror thing I've seen this year. What I love about The Strangers 2. Sure. Um, is since it's not just one location, they have just like this playground to run around in. Yeah. And I love how it's like from location, location, location. 
Yeah. And knowing, so the first time I saw it, as I said, I, I was, you know, thinking home invasion. It's not, it's a, a slasher film. Definitely. And knowing it was a slasher film the second time, like I was just in love with it. Um, yeah, you know, what's tight. It's like 80 minutes. Yeah. It was awesome. It's so good. Uh, I watched it with my brother and his fiance, Ben and Sabra. Hello. Shout out. And, uh, they really liked it and it was, it's just so fucking tight. Burning truck pool. Fuck it. Pool. It's so awesome. Pool 2018. Probably. Yeah. I think so. And the, uh, all the score, it's not a score, all the music, the diegetic music, like it's so fucking sick. It's fun. Um, uh, all the pop music that's used in the film for as sure. well. Yeah. Uh, it's used a good effect. And again, let me say like, I don't think this is a perfect movie at all. Like at all. It's a fun movie. It's a badass fun movie. And in the last 30 minutes, I mean, I, just, I think it's incredible. Incredible last 30 minutes. The, the beginning is okay. And the middle kind of sucks, but the rest is fucking amazing. So, Strangers Pray at Night. That's it. I rewatched it. Loved it. Eric, what have you also been watching? All right. I've got a, a weird cut. Okay. Deep cut? Uh, I don't know. Depends. This is a 1988 Japanese film called Evil Dead Trap. Have you heard of this film? No, I have not. Okay. Let me tell you about Evil Dead Trap. Uh, it's about this woman who is a news anchor, and she is sent a copy of a snuff film. Okay, cool. So I be, like movies like that. So being the uh, journalist that she is, she wants to investigate the tape. Is it real? And she learns where the tape was made, where it was filmed. So her and a team of, I think it's more like her friends, go to investigate this warehouse where this snuff film was filmed. Okay. So I'm, when I'm they get board. there, uh, there is a man who starts picking them off. So I guess it's kind of like a slasher. But he has all these like wacky traps set up for them to fall into. Okay. Uh, for is this like steel trap? For example, oh, I'm gonna say this is better than steel trap. <laughs> uh, there are moments where this one girl is captured. She is tied to a wall. She has a uh, what's it called? A bow gun, bow yeah. and arrow, bow gun. I don't fucking know. Uh, it's it's like six feet away from her and. A rope is tied around the trigger, which is tied around to the handle of a door. So for when the next person who opens the door, it's going to fire and uh, kill her. Okay. Uh, what I didn't realize when I watched this film was I have seen so many, not so many, but I've seen multiple images from this film of gore that I didn't know where it was coming from. Hmm. Uh, and then finally, so it was kind of nice to be like, oh, this is from... Evil Dead Trap. Um, Why'd you watch this? Uh, I saw an article online. It was called, uh, it was some bullshit like 10 Gorious 80, the 10 Gorious films from the 80s you may have missed. Hmm. And like of the 10, there was two I hadn't seen. This being one of them. So I jumped to a copy of Evil Dead Trap. So how'd you, how'd you get it? Netflix. Okay. DVD. DVD. Got it. Synapse. Got it. Films. So... It goes from the, being this like wacky trap slasher to this fucking dude is pregnant and the baby wants to come out and start killing the people as well. I don't know what the fuck was going on. The dude was pregnant? Dude was pregnant. Okay. So I was even more on board when it got into the monster baby killingness of the film. Sounds awesome. Um, I'm in. Evil Dead Trap. If you're looking for some uh, zany gore, 
Now, was this actually good? I didn't like it. You didn't like I it? I didn't like it. <laughs> um, but After you know, that entire thing. But, so, was this actually good? No. But, you know, I want to stay positive for the elements that I did sure, enjoy sure. Uh, in the film. I feel like yeah. a lot of these, like, I know this isn't an Arrow release, but I feel like a lot of these, like, newer Arrow releases, like Doom Asylum or... The Madhouse. Yeah, Madhouse, exactly. The Slayer. The Slayer. Thank you so much. Yeah. I feel like those films, like, they're, none of them are good, but people remember, like, good gore scenes from them. A few moments. And then they come out and people pay $28 for them and then they suck. I, I kind of feel like you could throw Evil Dead Trap into... Maybe Synapse will do it. I mean... Into that I wonder what they're category. doing after um, Suspiria. That's a good question. Which is a fucking amazing Blu-ray, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. So that was... That was Evil Dead Trap. Evil Dead Steel Trap. Evil Dead... <laughs> Uh, what do you? What else you got, Doc? Okay, so I don't have anything else. I've got a few. Well, more. I have one more thing. Okay. Is what I'm saying. <clears throat> so I, I just, I've seen the first hour of uh, HBO's new Amy Adams show, Sharp Objects. Sharp Objects, and it's really fucking good. It's really fucking good. Um, the way, the best way I can describe any of these things is, you know, I'm always worried starting a new show. Uh, you know, I hate starting new shows. Okay, are they going to introduce me 50 characters I don't care about? Right. Are they going to introduce me to, you know, 20 places and all the locations and all the shit? Like, I don't know why I have a hard time starting new TV shows. So I start Sharp Objects and I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's do it. I sat there for an hour straight. Didn't pause it once. Didn't look at my phone once. And it ended and I was like, Wow, I wish I had another hour to watch the next one, and I went to bed. So, what is it? Okay, so Sharp Objects is uh, starring Amy Adams. She is a uh, journalist that works for a newspaper in St. Louis. She the show starts immediately, and you're dropped in with her be getting uh, an assignment uh, from her editor saying, "You used to live in this small town, right?" And she's like, "Yeah." And he says, "Okay, well, I need you to go there to cover this murder that happened last November." And she's like, why nobody cares? And he's like, I'm going to send you there because I think you're, she's from the town. Mm. And he's like, I think you can get a Pulitzer prize winning, uh, story there because you're from there. So the people will talk to you and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, then he, you know, he's also like, <clears throat> and I also think you should go there cause you might get clean there. And you're like, uh Oh, she has problems. And then, uh, so she goes, well, when on the way, of course she picks up fucking bottles and bottles and bottles of vodka and all this uh, liquor. And for the first hour of this show, all I can say is you're basically watching Amy Adams be kind of sweaty, drinking alcohol and trying to find out about this murder. And so it's, it's a murder mystery. It's a murder mystery. And from what I can tell, That's I've cool. only seen an hour of this. I think it's a serial killer. Oh, so there you go. Think Zodiac. Um, think is it supposed to be modern day? I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She has an iPod in the show. Um, only other stuff to say is this is uh, based on a book by uh, Gillian Flynn, Gillian Flynn, mm -hmm. and uh, she did Gone Girl, right? So it's like that type of mystery, but uh, it is directed and edited fucking really well. Um, if you watch it, you'll know what I'm talking about because there's directed the first episode. You know, I don't. It's I, I didn't recognize his name. I mm. looked him up. He didn't direct anything that I cared about, mm. but it's really well put together. There's these scenes where she'll be walking up to her house, for instance. And uh, all of a sudden, you'll the, it'll edit instantly to the same house, but there's her, flashback. a flashback. 
of her uh, and the the girl playing young Amy Adams is Sophia Lillis from the It remake. Mm. And it's like her and her friend. And then it'll edit straight back into Amy Adams. And then even sometimes like the other characters will be in the scene with her. But she's mm. obviously thinking of the flashback. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, really well made. Really well made so huh. far. And uh, yeah, the episode ends and there's a dead fucking body on the street. And you know, I'm like, all right, let's do it. Give me I'm more, in. Huh? Yeah. Maybe I'll check so it out. it's really good. Well, speaking of starting uh, new shows. Oh, I wait. Would... Let me end that with my okay. statement that I tweeted, which is so far I've only seen one hour, but it's already better than everything in True Detective Season 2. So what I'd like to say is uh, Sharp Objects is what True Detective Season 2 should have been. So there you go. It reminds me of True Detective. She's drinking a lot. She reminds me of Matthew McConaughey in uh, the first season, just fucking crushing Lone Stars. Right. But she's crushing vodka. Please, Eric, what else have oh, you been watching? I was I was just going to say, um, speaking of starting new TV shows, I watched the first episode of Who is America? Oh, yeah? The Sasha Baron Cohen show? And it was almost unbearable for me because of how awkward it was making me Phil? Yeah, there's a there's a term for that, and I can't remember it, but I I hate that as well. Um, was funny. I will continue watching it, but I was just like, ah, fuck, this is too much for E Duck. But I like him. How are so. you watching? It's on Showtime. Uh, Dana gave me his Directv login information. Shout out to Dana. Yep, thank you, Dane. Um, so Dane keep, Cook, keeping it going. Yep. All right, what else have you been watching? Uh, Dude Bro, Party Massacre. Yes, tell me about three. It. Uh. Have you seen this? No, but I know about it. Uh, this shit is fantastic. I don't believe that. Um, so the joke in the film is there's already been two dude bro party massacres, and this is the third in a um, trilogy, slasher trilogy, trilogy. And what we're watching is uh, somebody who recorded it onto a VHS tape off of cable. Okay. So there's commercials. In the in the film, WNUF Halloween special, and very similar uh, to that. Now, what impresses me about shit like this is I feel like slasher films and comic book heroes. There's just no more original ideas. So I feel like whenever somebody is capable of creating a new idea within that genre, yeah. well, then kudos to them. So I'm with it, you. So the killer, the villain in Dude Bro Party Massacre, uh, her name is Motherface. And it's about this frat. They are uh, going to a sorority house for a panty raid. Okay. And, and all you learn is that the panty raid went bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. and, and the sorority house catches fire. And the house mother dies in the fire. Okay. So she, or you think she died. So she comes back, the house mother, and starts killing off the bros right. of, of this uh, fraternity. Um, and while it like makes fun of the slasher genre, I almost feel like it ascends to just a straight comedy period. Like okay. it, it's like not even making fun of like horror films anymore. It's just um, that sounds, really really silly. Yeah. Um, so how what what do you think? I loved it. I really? Abs I, abs I thought it was just a terrific idea of this just being like this VHS that we watched uh, or are watching. Uh, slasher film. Um, there's fun gore. You liked the comedy when it turned into the straight comedy? Yeah. It okay, was actually cool. really, really fucking silly. Um, there's even a really fun like 
I don't want to call them part of the cast as much as they're just like extended cameos, like Patton Oswalt or Greg Sestro. It's cool. It's tight. I would definitely recommend seeking it out as a horror fan. And how did you watch it? Uh, it's on Shutter. Nice. And how is the Shutter quality? You know what? Shutter's been Shutter quality's been good. Good. Shutter, Shutter, okay. Shutter quality, quality has been fine. <laughs> okay. Good. Yes. Shutter sponsor us. Yes. Speaking of Shutter. And by sponsor, I mean give us a free $5 account. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of Shudder, I did my damnedest. Your darndest. My damnedest. Your doondest. My doondest, my damnedest, to watch Joe Bob Briggs' yes. last uh, drive-in. Uh, as many of you already know, uh, there was a bunch of, I guess, technical difficulties that did not allow it uh, to work for some people, including me. I think that was early on. I think they I got it going. I sat there for three hours, almost. I gave up at 9.38. It started at 7. I'm surprised you didn't fall asleep. And was finally like, eh. But what's incredible about that is every single movie that he picked, they've turned into an episode. Yeah. And uh, I've already watched three of the 14, and I can't wait to continue. I think Joe Bob was a little before my time. Yeah, he His Monster Vision was like 94. So yeah. I was like six. Yeah. Um, but I already feel like I love him. I already feel like I know him. His character that he's playing, which I guess is a character, um, I that, that's what I wish I could be on this. Oh, for sure. I wish I could be E-Dog Briggs, which is wacky and fun and insightful horror comedy insight. I feel like you do that quite often. But, you know, E-Dog's not a character I'm playing. This is E-Dog. You're getting E-Dog. Well, and he's not insightful, so. This is true. Yeah. Um, so tell me about it. Like, uh, th- okay, I've seen that, he, that they split them out into episodes. It's it's so amazing. But what is it? Like, does he just intro it, the film plays, and then he talks about it after? Or do they intercut? They intercut, and he has guests. And Is that a good, like, let's say you haven't seen the film. Is that a good way to watch See, a film? That, that's a great question. Yeah, because I'm because concerned about that. of the three films that I've watched, there are films that I've already seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm... I'm super excited to watch the films uh, that I haven't seen, and I'm going to try them as the Joe Bob Briggs version. And are they really good quality and then flip to him and then really good quality again? No, no. They're like, you know, Shudder has like shitty. Okay, Prince. Prince. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, and then like aesthetically, it's supposed to look like you're watching like a VHS. Okay. Like it like cuts like in with like static. See, that's what um, I was concerned about. Like if it's a film I haven't, se- if it's a film I've seen, that sounds fun. Right. It's a film I haven't seen. I don't know about that. Um, so I'm going to, so like I said, I guess I can update you guys uh, on the next episode on how it worked with the film. Uh, I haven't seen, but I'm just like in love with it. I think it's just fantastic. That's amazing that they did that. That's amazing that he did that. Yeah, it's incredible. I hope it, he, and you know, and it's build and the way he talks is like, this is it for me. I hope that's not true. I think it was huge for Shudder too. I think right. I think it really got Shudder out there like in a big way. Um, so I'm sure they're going to want him back. But yeah, so what we're talking about is, I think you explained it, but Shudder as a horror streaming service, they did a thing called Joe Bob Briggs, The Last Drive-In. Correct. And uh, it was like a 24-hour marathon where he sits on uh, a couch, basically. It's a chair, but mm-hmm. like a lazy boy. And drinks beer and then intros and talks movies and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And it's fucking awesome. What it is is it's – it's he you, Joe Bob Briggs used to have a show. Correct. On Two shows. TBS? Uh, he had one on Showtime. Showtime. I don't know what it was called. And then in the 90s, he had one on TNT. And TNT. that was Monster Vision. That's right. Monster Vision. So um, 
Yeah, so they, they brought him back, and that, that's fucking awesome. Um, the only one I remember like that, uh, because I'm, I'm too young for this, you know, I'm only 27 now, so I don't remember this, but I've always heard about it. Um, the only one I remember was on TNT or TBS, and it was like Dinner in a Movie, I think is what it was called. Dinner in a Movie wasn't horror-related. No, it wasn't. And I'm just saying I, I love that. I remember they would cook meals yeah, yeah. that somehow related to whatever film they were showing. And they would also like tell trivia and talk about the film and stuff. I do remember that. And then there was also USA Up All Night. That's I right. don't think they had a host, did they? I think so, but I don't know. I, I know like Up it, All Night, but the like one we watched like was... like a time slot. And I feel like that's how like I was originally introduced to like Child's Play. Right. was Up All Night. We, uh, Me and my brother used to watch Dinner in a Movie, but that's a while ago too. So anyways... Never made the dinner, though, huh? <laughs> no, hell no. I still don't know how to make dinner. Uh, can I keep it going with... Please do. I think, I think I'm done Shutter. with stuff. I think I'm done. All right. Uh, I watched one uh, called Macabre. Another film I watched on Shudder. It's a 2009 Indonesian film. Okay. And the reason I found out about this film was it was one of the recommendations on the Danzig episode of The Core, which is also a Shudder original. You're just a big Shudder guy. And now they're going to do... They're bringing back Creepshow... Yeah, that's as an nuts. anthology next year. Does that, almost, does that mean each there's going to be a different director for each episode? How's that going to work? I don't know, but I almost think it's uh, too, it, it seems too good to be true to me. That's so exciting. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, that'd be amazing if it was weekly. That'd be amazing if they put them all up at once. I'm very excited to see how, what the format yeah. is going to be. Is I, it going to be 30 minutes? Is it going to be an hour long each I episode? Pic- I picture 30 minutes and they drop them. Uh, all at once, like a series in a way, like right. Creep Show the series, and it's just like ten shorts. You know, they did the core weekly when it was oh, running. Oh, yeah, that's true. No, you're so, right. That's incredible. Yeah, hell yeah, that's gonna uh, be fucking know, sick. And you know, and the way the news was headlined today was, you know, I guess Greg Nicotero is gonna be the showrunner. Yeah, I'm or not, he has something to do with it. I'm not like incredibly stoked on Greg Nicotero, but yeah, I'm fucking pumped for. Creep Show 2019. Fuck yeah. Anything better than fucking Creep Show 3. Well, and what would be really cool is if they got a bunch of directors that we like. It could be like Masters of Horror all yeah, over again. Yeah. And just Under fucking, the Creep Show banner? Yeah, but what is it? That sounds amazing. Does Shudder have money for budgets? I mean, that's my question. Because Masters of Horror was pretty, pretty fucking big budget for that right. time. And that's now. A good question. I don't know. I mean, it's AMC. They you're got, right. They got no, that you're Walking right about Dead that. money. You're right about that, but if they wanted to do real AMC, they would have put it on AMC, so I don't know. I kind of feel like Shudder's appropriate because, you know, they could get away with, like, Oh, no, it's appropriate, but they gore nowhere and, near as many uh, viewers as AMC. They can say fuck and, you know. They can say what? Fuck. Okay, please proceed. Okay, we were talking about Macabre. Macabre. 2009 Indonesian film. Macabre. You know, that's a tough word for me to pronounce. <laughs> Directed by the Mo brothers okay tell us about the mo brothers and this is kind of like this is silly but i'm gonna say it if the texas chainsaw massacre had a baby fucked inside okay i like where this is going we would have macabre okay so it's about a group of friends who are celebrating uh because two of them are moving to australia and the two that are moving are a couple uh astrid and Ajij or something maybe. <laughs> okay. I wish I could uh, look that up real quick. Um, and Astrid is pregnant. So okay. so as they're leaving uh, the bar. If you hear that, that is Eric typing into his phone right now to yes. find out this character name. Yes, correct. From Macabre. From Macabre. Macabre. Ajij? <laughs> <laughs> so. Please proceed. 
So Astrid and Ajish, they're leaving to uh, move to Australia. They're celebrating with a group of friends. When they're leaving the bar, it just starts raining really fucking hard. And as they're trying to leave the parking lot, this woman just stands in front of their vehicle. She says she's been robbed. Can you give me a ride home? They're apprehensive at first, but they're like, sure, it's on our way to where we're going. So they give her a ride home. Once they get there, the young lady insists that they come in and meet the mother. They all go inside reluctantly. Once inside... Um, the mother insists that she cooks them a thank you meal and then shit pops off. Okay. I'm in. Okay. They are poisoned or drugged, uh, with the meal that she feeds them. And you learn that the mother wants Astrid's baby. Okay. So it descends into, oh, and so, uh, the, the mother, this young girl that they pick up have two crazy brothers you learn that they're cannibals. So, I mean, this is just checking all the... Does Texas. one of them have like a a plate on their head that they pick at? No, but here's what's fantastic. There's a fat one. Okay. And he wears a yellow apron. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And he cuts off this dude's head with a chainsaw. He's, okay. He's clearly Indonesian Leatherface. Yes. Um, so, it descends into uh, the friends having to try to fight for their life against this family. Now, Inside came out in 2008. Yes. Okay. Oh so seven. Oh eight. Yeah. So this is two thousand nine. I think inside's oh seven. And there's this fucking scene, dude, where I thought, did they just rip off inside? Um, one of the kids. When did this come out? This I, is two thousand nine. Nine. Okay. One of the kids is able to escape, and you think his fate is he gets hit by a car. You see these headlights rushing towards him, and then it cuts away, and then you later learn that it's the police, and they bring him back to the house and when they get there they even bring in a uh, someone they've arrested earlier in the night that they're handcuffed to and then all the lights go out and then the family and the police have their fight i mean and that's exactly out of yeah inside so i was just kind of tripping I, that is, that's baffling yeah so i was just kind of tripping on that like i don't know is there is there french films in indonesia i don't know or is it just a coincidence that it's a fucking movie yeah, about a woman know. who's pregnant, another woman wants her baby, and then there's this fucking almost direct scene. Well, and how have we not heard about this before? Well, thank you, Core episode. Thank you, Danzig episode of The Core. Anyways. And Shudder, again. And Shudder, again. Yeah. So anyways, it's super gory. It's super violent. It's super macabre. I kind of didn't like it. <laughs> I love that you do this all the time. You I, I, I want to talk up positiveness. You, you sell movies for like 15 minutes straight and then eh, I kind of fucking I kinda, hated it. I kind of didn't like it. I but, like when you do that. But it's it's an awesome mix of like if you're if you're like, dang, I need some more Texas Chainsaw in my life or dang, I need some more inside in my life. Okay. Watch this fucking movie. Let me ask you this. Towards the end of the film, are there just people screaming and batshit insanity and saws going like, like every single fucking TCM movie? Incorrect. At the end of this film, there's Incorrect. bodies Incorrect. strewn across everywhere. Okay, I'm into that. It's good. It's solid. Now, when you say Inside, is there the one scene that happens at the end of Inside? Does that happen in this film? I'm okay with spoilers on that. Uh, she <laughs> gives a normal birth, unfortunately. I was hoping for some scissors. Okay. Uh, so that's Macabre, that directed is macabre. by the Moe Brothers. Now, what is that? Nine Indonesian What's film. that character name you don't want to say again? Jeej. <laughs> I, you know, I thought if I read it on IMDb, I'd be able to tell you guys. But Do it one more time. Ajij. Got, got it. 
A-D-J-I-E. Well, you have a couple more? I have a few more. Well, I've got one thing I can quickly mention. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> I rewatched uh, Matinee okay. with my brother and his fiance. Um, and I believe Jamie was there. Yeah, Jamie was there. Uh, Matinee, not a lot to say. We've talked a lot about Matinee on this podcast. But if you haven't watched it, there's a new Shout Factory Blue. Uh, Joe Dante's Matinee. Fucking amazing movie. Good, about very good. The love of film, about the love of monster movies. Um, and about the atomic era. So please, please check out Matinee. I fucking love it. Um, they loved it. Such a great movie. John Goodman performance. Amazing. Uh, Mant. And with that, Eric, tell us your next, what you've been watching. Okay, I've got a new one. Okay. I watched uh, Ghost Stories. Have you heard oh, of this? Oh, awesome. No, this, I mean, yes, this is the IFC uh, midnight movie that uh, Shout just put out. Scream. Uh, please. So... It was originally available earlier this year on cable VOD. And then as of yesterday, it became available on more VOD services. Mm -hmm. And then on September the 4th is when Scream and IFC is putting out the blue. Yeah, this, I mean, I heard a lot about this when it was playing. I think it played like Fantasia or something. It played Mm -hmm. a a festival and I heard it's scary. This movie is fucking tight. Okay, cool. This movie is fantastic. Tell us about Ghost Stories. And, um, yes, okay. So, it's about this dude, Professor Goodman. He is a paranormal debunker. He does not believe in any sort of paranormal activity. Which I can relate to. He doesn't believe in an afterlife, right? Sure, I can relate to that as and well. there's this man, I'm afraid, I forget his name, but he's like Professor Goodman's idol. He's like what... He saw, Professor Goodman saw his work, and that's what motivated Goodman to want to go into this field, because that's what this man does, right? hmm So, this man goes missing, and he's never found. And there's this great line where Goodman says, he thinks it's so interesting that this man spent his entire life solving mysteries that he himself became one. So... One day, Professor Goodman gets a package at his door. It is a cassette tape of this man telling him he knows who he is and he wants to meet. So Goodman's freaking out because he thought this dude was dead. Mm -hmm. So he goes and he meets this man. He's just in these awful living conditions. He lives in this shitty-ass trailer. You can see where it's just like a mess and Goodman doesn't even want to sit down. So this man tells Goodman, I was wrong. The paranormal is real. And Goodman's not buying anything that he's saying. And he says, here are three cases that I was never able to solve. And so he gives him these three files. And so Goodman takes it upon himself to try to solve these three cases. And each one of these cases then turns into a little short. Mm-hmm. It's so, like a, I heard so it was an anthology, anthology, but it, it's almost like not an anthology, but an anthology. It's kind of what it sounds like. Right. So, so when he goes to investigate each one of these occurrences, that's when the story starts. Okay. Um, and then there's a wraparound story of how... Goodman is actually related to each of these three cases. Okay. And I almost felt like these stories is stuff we have seen a hundred times. The first one's about a night watchman who works in a haunted mental asylum. Uh, The second one is sort of uh, thanks for the ride lady ish. And the third one is about a man who's haunted by his dead wife. But what really sets it apart is I thought it was just so well done. Mm -hmm. I watched this 9 a.m., yesterday morning wow and it was creeping me out nice okay cool uh, i think i was able to manage through it because of the time but i was like fuck this you're is able crazy. to break on through to the other side yeah uh i thought it was very well done very creepy i love the 
the the rack around. I love the wrap around. Easy likes racks. Uh, segment. Uh, that I close that, close racks. Close racks. Yeah. That pieced it all together. Strongly encourage to seek out ghost stories. Okay, cool. Yeah, I uh, you know, I, I feel like I say this a lot, but this one in particular, um, I heard it was scary. Yeah. And uh, so I, I really want to see it, but. I don't know. How long is it? I feel like it, I heard it was It long. was an hour and 38 minutes. Oh, that's not bad. That may have been with credits, too. That's not bad. Did you fall asleep? No, I watched it in one sitting. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely want to see it, man. That's fucking sick. So did, got, did, sorry, did the shorts have different directors? No. It was, oh, okay. It was, um, and in fact, the dude who plays Professor Goodman co-wrote it and directed it with the, with the same man. Okay. And interestingly, this was based off a play that they, I guess, would perform and then adapted it into film. Huh. Cool. Ghost Stories. Ghost Stories, yes. And you can watch it on VOD right now. Correct. I rented it from the Microsoft store. Hell yeah. Uh, so I got two more. Okay, let's hear them. Okay. First, Sorry I don't have more. Uh, first one was Drive Angry 3D. And tell me how you found the 3D blue. This, I was under the impression <laughs> this 3D blue had been like out of print. And then all of a sudden, you send me a link. I said, hey, Dot, the Drive Angry 3D Blu-ray is $5 right now. It was $8 on Amazon, and I've never ordered anything quicker. Yep. Like, you sent me the link, and I ordered that shit, because I felt like I've been looking for this for so long. I, you had told me you wanted it. That's why when I saw it, I was like, oh, got to send it. Here's what's tight about Drive Angry. Okay, tell us what's tight about I, Drive Angry. I, can, can I say what Drive Angry is real quick? Sure. Just in case people don't know what the fuck I'm talking Please. about. A lot of people may not have seen it. Please okay, do. Okay, so this is a Nicolas Cage uh, film uh, directed by Patrick Lucier. Lucier and written by, help me out, he did Jason X. Todd Farmer. Todd Farmer. Right, exactly. Um, you're welcome. You're welcome. Nicolas Cage is dead. He's in hell, right? And his daughter joins a satanic cult. Amber Heard. And they kill her and... Uh, they plan to sacrifice her baby at a later ritual. So Nicolas Cage breaks out of hell to try to save his granddaughter, William, is it Finchner? Uh, Fickner. Fickner mm-hmm. plays... Bill Fickner is what they call him. The accountant. I fucking love him, by the way. He's one of my favorite actors. He's neither good or evil. But since Nicolas Cage has escaped hell, he's tasked with bringing him back. And it is literally 90 minutes of like crazy car action, gore, and titties. There's a fucking scene. There's this big fucking shootout. Nicolas Cage is boning this lady and shooting these guys. Yes, I remember it very well. Um, And here's what I like about Drive Angry, aside from the titties. I was going to say, not that scene. (laughs) and, And the gore. Sure. Oh, I forgot to mention, I watched it in 3D. Yeah, tell us about that. So that was really cool. Eric has a 65-inch 3D TV, so. That was the biggest driving force of wanting to watch it, because I I bought the DVD when it came out in 2011. The red and blue glasses. Um, Surprisingly, you know, there's not a lot of 3D in this, but the gimmicks that are there are fantastic. I'm going to spoil Todd Farmer's death. So William Fickner. Bill, for sure. Bill, right. He's going to everybody that Nicolas Cage has come into interaction with. Yeah. And Todd Farmer is one of them. And Todd Farmer has a bat and he tries to hit Bill with it. And uh, the accountant takes the bat, breaks it in two, and he throws it at him. And so, you know, you see the bat come off the screen. And it impels Todd Farmer through the shoulder. 
Mm-hmm. And then he takes the other side of the bat and throws it, and it goes into his eye, and so it kills him. And then there's a close-up of that, and like the bat sticking out of his eye is coming off the TV. Yes. And it was the best thing ever. Now, the reason I like Drive Angry so much is because um, I feel like take Planet Terror, take Machete, take Hobo with a Shotgun, take Death Proof. I feel like those were all films that were like, hey, we're trying to capture... Hellride. We'll throw Hellride in there. Okay. I feel like those are films that were like, hey, we're trying to capture a specific time... The Grindhouse era. ...and style of filmmaking, mm-hmm. right, for modern day, while Drive Angry was like, nope, we're just going to make a fucking exploitation movie in 2011. Yeah, in modern day. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that felt very... Like, we, we're not trying to... Pull one over on you. Right. We're, we're just going to be a nasty fucking film. Yeah. And uh, thank you for being that, yeah. Todd Farmer and Patrick um, Lussier. I remember when it came out. It came out in the wake of, like, all those 3D horror films. My Bloody Valentine. Tom Atkins is in it. Yes. And he's in My Bloody Valentine. Correct. Uh, specifically, My Bloody Valentine uh, 3D. And then um, I think Final Destination 5 or 4 came out at that time, which was mm-hmm. also in 3D. And then uh, Patrick Lussier was like kind of a big deal. And like this was a big deal. And then 3D just crashed and no one saw Drive Angry Mm because I think it was like nobody like general audiences didn't know what the fuck it was. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I remember really liking Drive Angry. I haven't seen it in forever. I feel like I've been revisiting a lot of these, uh, this era of 3D like horror films. Because I I also did Shark Night. Mm -hmm. I would love to come over. Not that I ever go over to your place anymore, but to watch Shark Night in 3D. On your TV because uh, that that movie sucks, right? It's a fucking blast. The 3D is fun. Yeah. Uh, my favorite line in Drive Angry is uh, Tom Atkins. This is after the the scene where there's the big shootout and Nick Cage is uh, fucking this girl, and uh, Tom Atkins is a police officer, and uh, or he's like a captain, or whatever. He's like in head of this investigation of this wake of dead bodies Nicholas Cage is leaving behind, and he's interviewing her. Mm-hmm. He's wanting to get you know her side of the story, story, and this is early Amber Heard too. By the way, Drive Angry, I'm saying right, and uh, she's a big deal now. Um, is this this is you're not talking about her daughter, his daughter? You must be talking about like the girl that's with Nick Cage the entire time. Yes, she's very pretty. Um, Amber Amber Heard. Yeah, all the boys love Mandy Lane. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know where she was from, but now I do. Yeah, she was with Johnny Depp for a while, and now in real she, life, then she was with. It's got to be like a 20 year age discrepancy here huh but if you were johnny depp would that bother you uh no (laughs) okay Uh, so anyways tom atkins asking this lady what happened you know and all she can get out was we were fucking (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing Um, drive angry is fantastic i feel like the title of this film has hurt it over the years like i feel like it's not a good title it's angry yeah like what the fuck i feel like more there's some good car action in it Fun car Here's action. the weird part. Let me tell you this. Because I have this big thing about how I think people are weird for liking Nick Cage so much. I like Nick Cage as well. Mm-hmm. But like people watch anything he's in. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you ask them, oh yeah, so you like Drive Angry? Nobody's fucking know. seen it. Yeah. I want to read. But that's some- like peak peak Nick Cage is Drive Angry. I'm- and no one no one fucking cares about it. They I- just go see fucking whatever movie he's on the cover of tomorrow. The season of the Witch. He fucking and he's putting not, out not the good season he's of the putting Witch. Putting out a hundred direct to DVD films now. Yes, he is. Um, Frozen. I've got an idea. Not the good Frozen. For some not fan- the other good Frozen. I've got some idea for some fanfic. I'm not going to write it, but this is just my idea. 
your where, daddy issues fanfic where where Forrest Gump and Nicolas Cage's character from Con Air just like team up and go do shit together and it's called the Alabama Bros. You should write that. That's all I got. But they they would just be like good-natured dudes helping people. <laughs> It'd be fantastic. Eating chocolate. Yep. Traveling the country. Okay, so I got one more. Let's hear it. And I don't have to talk at all about this film. Okay, thank God. Um, it's Sleepaway Camp. Yes. Okay, so Friday night, Melissa and I were sitting on my couch. We're hoping Joe Bob Briggs is going to work. We're seeing on Twitter what films are playing. The second film he played was Sleepaway Camp. I had like recently mentioned it to her, so I was like, hey, let's just watch uh, Sleepaway Camp. Anytime's a good time to watch Sleepaway right. Camp. She had never seen it, so it's always exciting to show somebody I'd love to hear what she camp. thought about it, because it's quite a film. Uh, you know what? Uh, the only thing I got out of her was whoa multiple times when the credits <laughs> hit. Um, yeah, that's about right. Okay, so I'm not going to talk about Sleepaway Camp. We already know how great it is. But yes. I really took to a certain counselor this particular time and i and not the cook not no. you didn't relate never to the, the cook, cook asshole <laughs> um what a sleazy fucking movie you know what uh not until i saw joe bob's commentary commentary this was not friday anymore this was after they finally put him up um he's talking about like how much like homo erotic themes are in it yeah and yes there is but like that never like I don't want to say dawned on me, but like I never like had an issue with him, or like I never thought about him. Like I never thought like this yeah. was something people dissected until he was bringing it up. Yeah, that's something I thought about um, Nightmare on Elm Street too. Oh yeah, that so, is heavenly. Well, almost pounded I, into you. I agree now, but pounded in. I never, I never thought about it when I saw the film. Right, never. So when I first watched Nightmare on Elm Street two, um, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I mean, it has some really dorky scenes in it like him dancing right sure um and i thought well, i thought well this is really fucking dumb but uh never thought oh it's like homoerotic undertones right and it uh, uh i guess is correct so um there is a man inside we, another man we may try to come out that's true uh we may talk nightmare on elm street on our next episode and man uh, yes but we will talk about that later so oh so i want to talk about this counselor yes please do I think it's Gino. He's like the cool boys counselor. I'm okay. not sure. Okay. So there's a scene early on when the killer uh, drowns one of the campers. And the following morning, Gino, I think, is tasked with uh, cleaning up uh, the waterfront. There's, there's a bunch of um, chairs in the water. And the big surprise in this scene is... Uh, this dead body is in, is under a canoe. Well, anyways, Gino is just so upset that he is tasked with having to clean up this mess. He starts yelling, these peckerheads suck. And I thought that was just the funniest <laughs> shit <laughs> okay. ever. Uh, there's a scene later in the film where Meg, one of the uh, female counselors who sides with Judy, mm -hmm. uh, who's always picking on Angela, Angela picks up Angela and throws her in the water knowing that she can't swim. So Gino has to go and help her. Mm -hmm. And as he's walking away, he goes, you know what, Meg? You're a real pickerhead. <laughs> <laughs> and you relate to him. And well, you I don't relate I, to the cook, but you relate I, to him. I don't know why. I'm sure I thought that was funny. Like all the other times I've seen it, but like this particular viewing, I was like, fuck, that's hilarious. Yeah. These peckerheads suck. I love sleepaway camp, dude. Sleepaway camp is. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, it is. So that's all I've got for 
what I've been watching. And with that, I think that finally concludes our What We've Been Watching segment. And shortly, we'll get to our topic, which is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to kind of explain who we got these films from, but I yeah. guess we'll do that in a minute. Uh, but before that, uh, sorry to make you talk more, but I'm assuming you have a little I do. topic here. I do. Uh, and it's called Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. As, as I've expressed in like Fuck the you, last... Fuck you, Eric. Fuck you. As I've expressed in like the last two episodes, I've been struggling with this segment. <laughs> okay. I just don't know what to write about anymore. You know, I thought about, anymore. I thought about this recently. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know... Let's say you run out of horror punk albums and okay. songs to recommend. You could continue doing Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes and recommend other music you like. Just uh, period? Well, I'm just saying, let's say you run out. You can be like, oh, well, I also like this. While it isn't horror punk, you know, if you guys like what I listen to, maybe you'll like this. I get you. I get you. Know you know what I'm saying? Um, I was you know also, what I'm fucking saying? I was also trying to think of like sillier ideas. Like, for example, did you watch Tag? Fuck no. Why would I watch Tag? Oh, Tag was fun. I'll talk about Tag. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. So uh, there's a Danzig song in Tag, and then that made me start thinking of like all the other films that there's a Danzig song in, mm-hmm. The Crow 3, all of the... What, what are those movies about those guys that go to Vegas and they like lost one? The Hangover? There's a Danzig song in all the Hangover movies, and I thought that'd be kind of fun to like list like where you could find Danzig song in films. That'd be cool. Um, so, all right, Eric, Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes, Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. No, this is all Go good ahead. for the introduction of where No, this but is I wanted leading. to do it again. I wanted to do oh, it again. okay. So, um, I just like to be annoying. So, as when fun. I was ready to give up on this segment, fate intervened. How did fate intervene, you asked? Do you think it was a uh, higher power no. interview? Okay. I'm just, no. I'm just asking. I had my iPod on shuffle. and well, That uh, could have been a higher power. And a band Known came, as Apple. And a band came on, and I thought, <gasps> I'll talk about those guys are you ready you know what? this kind of makes sense because of the name of the band and because of the film we just talked about okay here i go for this eric coffin's terror tunes i wanted to talk about balzac that's b-a-l-z-a-c <laughs> for you jokesters out there you uh, youngsters for you youngsters and jokesters out there balzac is a japanese and i also talked about evil dead trap so here we go this is fitting uh, Balzac is a Japanese horror punk band whose name is taken from the French realist author Balzac, who worked in the 1800s. If memory serves, Balzac is the first horror punk band I was aware of outside of the Misfits due to them being on Jerry Only's label, Misfits Records. I remember having a DVD that I think came with the awful Misfits cover album, Project 1950. Side note, fuck the Jerry Only Misfits that had a Balzac music video of them covering two Michael Graves-era Misfits songs, The Haunting and Don't Open Until Doomsday.
I instantly fell in love with their look, most of them wearing full-body skeleton suits, and the singer, coming out of a coffin, had a long blonde devil lock. With some of their song titles in Japanese, and the way the singer sings, I'm not actually sure if he's singing in English or Japanese, but I can tell you that ninth grade E-Dog was immediately hooked after that music video. And while I haven't given them and while I haven't given them much thought in years, I wouldn't mind trying to catch up with the Adam Age vampire in 308 known as Balzac. Is it really based on something called Balzac? There was or is a, that there a was, joke? There was a French realist author who was prominent in the 1850s. Uh realist meaning they tried their best to describe what was really going on around sure. them. Sure. Um according to Wikipedia, the singer of Balzac was uh, a big Balzac fan, I guess, when he was in junior high. Do you think he had big what Balzac under, what aspirations? What I don't understand is like why he would think like that's a good band name. Yeah, Balzac. Balzac. I love Balzac. Yeah, yeah. So what I read was there's there's Balzac toys available. So this is gonna sound silly, but you're gonna buy some Balzac. That toys. Is, that'd be a tight type of Balzac toy. <laughs> so yeah, amazing, Eric. Yeah. Did you have a song you wanted to play in there? I sure do. I'll send you. Uh, Hopefully you, I you played could, it. You could play those. This is a funny moment to talk about because on our last episode of the podcast, I forgot to play a song during Eric Coffin's Terror But I was talking about multiple bands. That's true. So, so it kind of made sense. It kind of did, but I felt like an asshole because I feel like that's everybody's favorite part I've, of. But I forgot myself. That's true. You did. Sometimes. And with that, thank you so much for Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. It is now time for our feature presentation. Know that I'm struggling, but I'll try to keep doing it. What are you talking about? Coffin tunes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Know that he's struggling on his coffin tunes. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's time for our feature presentation, which is our watch this episode of the podcast where we took advice from the listeners this That's time. Correct. Some of our friends. And uh, this was actually one of their suggestions to do this. Yes, it was. So in that case, play the music. <laughs> All right, so I'm pretty excited about this topic. Are you, Eric? Oh, yeah, this was fun. This is always fun discovering a new film. For sure. And so what we did this time, this is our Watch This. This is our second time we've done a Watch This episode. But there's a twist. Exactly. And Watch This uh, was an idea we had where we're like, you know what? I want to recommend you a couple movies. You want to recommend me a couple movies. Let's do an episode where we don't have a top five, where we don't have really a specific topic. We just tell each other, hey, I think you should see this movie and this movie. And vice versa. And we did that, I think, last December. And we had a great time with it. I watched movies like Cube. I saw Triangle was available on Shutter. Triangle is fucking and awesome. And I just heard you talk about it. So I'll, I'll probably just watch that in my own time. Triangle is great. So um, we had this idea last time to recommend each other films. So, um, and we announced that. Yes, on exactly. The, on the pod. On our last episode of the podcast, we were like, hey, we think for our next episode, because we took so long preparing for our top five Dimension Extreme episode. A year and a half. Let's just do Watch This again, which will be fun. We can just recommend each other three films, watch them, and record the pod. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we said that on the pod, and we got messages from our uh, buddies, some of our listeners. Uh, Shane Saw Massacre, otherwise known as Shane from now on. Uh, <laughs> Kayla, who is uh, It's Probably Paranormal on Instagram. Uh, we'll refer to her as Kayla from now on. And Christina, who is uh, the Dream Warrior on Instagram. So Shane, Kayla, and Christina, they reached out to us and said, hey, 
we want to recommend you the films instead of you guys recommending each other. So instead, for this watch this episode, they gave us three films to watch each. Correct. And we're going to review those. So in a way, it's like a listener watch this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I apologize to anybody that we didn't involve in this. <laughs> but we, we love the idea of doing this in the future. Yeah, with uh, recommendations from other listeners. Sure. And uh, yeah, it just sort of happened this way. They hit us up and said, hey, why don't you have us tell you the movies? And we were like, what? And I think, Eric, you said it first. You're like, I'm down. And I just said, I'm down. And here we are. Mm-hmm. So we have three films from them. And I think we should sort of list our three films and then we'll get into them. So what you'll get here is six kind of reviews, essentially. Correct. Three from me, three from Eric. We'll go back and forth. Eric, what are the three films that you got? Okay, so uh, Shane and Kayla, they did their list together. That's right. And I only took one from them, which was Brian De Palma's Dressed to Kill. Uh, from Christina, I took Tourist Trap. And whenever I told Melissa this that what we were doing for this episode, she wanted in on this, and she uh, recommended me a film called Chained. Okay. And mine are as follows. From Shane and Kayla, I got Before I Wake, the Mike Flanagan Netflix film. Nice. Uh, from Christina, I got Brain Damage. Even better. Yes. Uh, from 1988. Uh, and then I also got from Shane and Kayla's list, since they did one together, I picked uh, Hell House LLC uh, from their list. So um, that's been a big film lately. So I'm excited to talk about that. About this year? Uh, well, it's sort of re-emerged this year okay. onto Amazon Prime. Um, but it actually it actually was made and came out in 2016. Okay. But it sort of reemerged this year. People <clears throat> discovering it now. Yes. So what do you say we get into it? Let's let's hit it. So I will go first. I'm gonna go Please. with Shane and Kayla's recommendation. Shane saw Massacre, and it's probably paranormal. <clears throat> recommended me to watch Hell House LLC. I'm gonna start there. So this is a film from two, 2016 that I had never heard of. Right. About a month and a half ago, I started hearing rumblings. Um, I think one of my cousin's wife, actually, on Facebook, um, she posted, this is like one of my favorite movies ever, blah, 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 blah. And it said, Hell House LLC. And I got to be honest, when I saw that, I thought, what a terrible title, number one. And number two, is this like some fake horror movie, like Asylum Pictures or something? Like, what the fuck is this, right? So that was what I thought about the film. And then over the last month and a half, I heard about it on Shockwaves. They're like, hey, I was told, I think it was um, Rebecca McKendry said I was told to watch this movie and it was really good. And I was like, okay, so it was kind of getting on my radar. And then this episode idea came up and it was on their list. It was on Shane and Kayla's list, Hell House LLC. And I thought, you know what? It's time. It's time. This has kind of been building in my my head. I'm going to watch this film. Can I interrupt you just real quick? Absolutely. Uh, just to um, expand upon what you just said briefly, um, you were motivated to pick this because you'd been hearing rumblings about it. Dress to Kill and Tourist Trap have been on my radar for like ever. Yeah, So yeah. it was so exciting for them to be like, watch this. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah Brain Damage actually was that for me as well. Like it's a film that I just hadn't seen, which I know is a problem. And uh, big problem, sir. I know Eric's one of if Eric's favorite things in the world is Frank Henenlotter. So yeah. and Bill Lustig. <laughs> so uh, brain damage. I will get to that. But we're talking Hell House Fessenden. LLC. Yes. Um, so it was getting on my radar, and then it got recommended to me, and I finally was like, "Yes, let's do it. I will watch it." So I watched Hell House LLC. It's the last film I watched actually out of these three. I watched it about two or three days ago. And I have to say, this movie is really fucking good. 
it's really good. It's kind of baffling um, in a couple ways because it's like a found footage uh, docu movie. So it's what it is is it's these these people that run a um, haunted house every year for Halloween. So they've done it in New York for years. This is what they say in the film. They ran a, a very popular haunted house in New York for years, and they've decided they're going to go out to the country and have their haunted house in this broken down abandoned hotel called the Abadan Hotel. So they decide to, they buy it, the hotel. It's all broken down in the middle of nowhere. Picture like, I actually don't know where this is. It might be be just like upstate New York. Picture a dingy old small town uh, with this really- Carlsbad, New Mexico. Exactly, perfect. Creepy, broken down hotel. Well, they go to it and they're like, yes, let's buy it. So what they do is they they buy it and they start getting ready for October. So they they start you know retrofitting it with electricity and um, video equipment and lights and stuff to get ready for a haunted house they're going to have there. Well, um, they have someone following them around with a camera apparently to like document like, hey, we run such a great haunted house. This is our haunt. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. this is how we put it together. This is how, what a success it's going to be. So of course, um, because it's docu found footage style, you end up getting like a lot of scenes of you know, exposition, people talking to each other and stuff, but the characters are actually pretty good in this. Um, you know, there's a guy that's real dead set on making sure the haunted house is a success and we're not leaving here. Any bad things that happen, we're going to make this happen. So of course, bad things start occurring and, uh, they, so is the actual location haunted in the film. Exactly. So what they find out is like, I don't want to spoil it, but long story short, there's like something happening in the basement when they first get there. They um, go down to the basement. They chalk it up to the plumbing. They, they go down to the basement, and there's uh, two pentagrams on the wall in the basement. And they think it's uh, graffiti, right? They think somebody broke into there, drew pentagrams on the wall. So that gets you like sort of into the mood of the film. Like there's pentagrams on the wall in the basement, and something's wrong. But they're like, oh, screw it. Don't worry about it. We're going to make this a success. So the film is them putting the haunted house together for the whole film and getting ready. And then, of course, uh, shit starts to pop off. And they're, um, what the film sort of ends up being a lot of is like the camera panning and seeing somebody in a doorway and then panning back to the character. And then, you know, hey, did you see that? And they look and there's nobody there. It's a lot of that. But I do have to say, uh, it scared me. It scared me a couple times. Really? Um, jump scares, yeah? Yeah, jump scares and just creep me out. There's a lot of like people, um, figures standing in a hallway or in a room or in a basement that you can barely see and then they're gone, you know? And so you get that feeling like, Oh, some is some, you know, I better look over my shoulder and I'm in my room by myself. My door's shut, you know, but I'm like, is there somebody behind me? You know, like that, that's the kind of thing you get out of this film. Um, so does the film ever reach the attraction is open? So, um, I guess I should have explained it that way. That what the film starts with, there's this horrible thing that happened at this haunted house. Um, the opening night of this haunted house, there was this um, mass hysteria that broke out and a bunch of people died. And um, that's how the film starts. So you know from the beginning that, the, that um, you actually, there's this quote unquote cell phone footage of a patron um, walking through the haunted house and then shit goes wrong. And then you don't know what happens in in this basement. They get to the basement part of the tour and then all hell breaks loose and it ends, right? The film leads up to that moment 
and then you see what happened in the basement. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But I have to say, while I really liked this movie, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it stuck the landing at all. Like I felt like it was really scary in the middle when they're putting it together. There's some really fucked up imagery. Like there's this moment where this guy, the guy that's documenting the whole thing, wakes up. Oh, so they stay in the hotel, this abandoned hotel. They live in it while they're Setting working it on up. it. So, you know, this guy wakes up and there's this fucking like ghoulish looking girl laying next to him on the floor, like sitting against the wall. And he puts the covers over him with the camera mm-hmm. and then he takes it away and she looks over at him and she, he puts the, the covers back on him. And I got to say, it creeped me out beyond belief. That yeah. is the creepiest thing in this movie. So there's a lot of little scares like that right Mm -hmm. and i was like fuck this is kind of freaking me out i don't think it sticks the landing like when they finally reveal what happened in the basement when the opening night it's kind of lackluster like it's like okay black figures appeared and it's paranormal and boom shock ah and it was kind of over and i was like eh, okay but uh it's really good so hell house llc i would definitely recommend everybody to check it out it it's creepy it did scare me a couple times. I don't think it sticks the landing, but it's really good. It is really good. Um, especially for a film I didn't really know about and people right. just started talking about. And yeah, it's on Amazon Prime right now. So you can just watch it for free. And uh, yeah, I would recommend it for sure. I think you should see it. You'd like it. Cool. I think that's it for Hell House LLC. So thank you, Shane and Kayla, for recommending that one. I got to watch that. Eric. Give me your first film for our Watch This episode two. Okay, well, I'll go with Shane and Kayla's recommendation as well. Okay. In keeping with the Shane and Kayla theme. Oh, wait. I forgot to say my notes. Okay. I fucked up. I have notes for Hell House LLC. Lay on the notes. Uh, Very fun found footage film. Scary at times. Okay at others. Repetitive scares, but scary. And a good new found footage film? Question mark? The reason I said that is because... Oh, not Area 51? Uh, exactly. We like found footage, but a lot of the most more recent found footage movies suck really bad. Um, this one's good. So I feel like you'd like it. You know, me and you like found footage more than most people. Sure. That's um, fair. And this is a good one. So there you go. Please Fair proceed. To say. Okay. So my first film is Dressed to Kill. Recommended by? Recommended by Shane and Caleb. This is a 1980 Brian De Palma film. And you know what? It shames me <laughs> to say... I'm not very acquainted Me with either. De Palma. I only know Carrie. Uh, I was going to say Carrie and... Mission Impossible 1? Not Mission Impossible 1. Scarface? I was never a fan of Scarface. I like it, but I'm not a big fan either. Right. Phantom of the Paradise. Okay. Um, I watched that whenever Scream Factory finally put out the blue. And that is a fun um, musical. Mm-hmm. I will say that having watched Dress to Kill, I feel energized to seek out De Palma's filmography now. Mm-hmm. And I put a film of his called Blowout with John Travolta High on my Netflix uh, physical queue. So hopefully I'll be exploring the world of Depl- Diploma. Diploma. Di- Diplomacy Diploma soon. soon. <laughs> so let me tell you what Dress to Kill is about. I've always wanted to see about. it, and it's I've fantastic. never seen it. Okay, it's, please tell me. It's fantastic. Um, this was amazing. Um, I got a physical copy from Netflix. Uh, Criterion put out the blue. Um, it is about a prostitute played by Nancy Allen. 
Now you're probably going, who the fuck is Nancy Allen? Who the fuck is Nancy Allen? She's Officer Lewis in all three RoboCop movies. And I had never seen her outside of a RoboCop film. So whenever I got to see her in something new, E-Dog was on board. I can't believe you didn't talk about the RoboCop news. Ooh. Oh, ooh. that deserves its own episode. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll talk two hours at length about <laughs> okay. what I want and don't want in Neil Blomkamp's RoboCop. So, and I guess at the time, De Palma and Nancy Allen were married. So I guess he had written this role specifically for her. So she plays a prostitute, right? And she's a witness to a murder. And the cops seemingly don't give a shit about this murder. Okay. So this prostitute, Nancy Allen teams up with the victim's son, played by Keith Gordon, who is Arnie Cunningham from Christine. He's like this like science whiz who like builds a bunch of like bullshit techs, uh, tech. Uh, there's a great scene where uh, he's at the police station. He's just learned that his mother's been murdered. And he's got this like bullshit recording device that allows him to like hear through walls. And so whenever... Uh, the police captain is interviewing somebody else about the murder. He has like a headphone up against the wall and the other headphone in his ear and it's allowing him to hear what's being said. So Nancy Allen and Keith Gordon team up to uh, take down, not take down, but to investigate <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, the murder. Okay. What's fantastic about this though is there's this whole other like subplot going on with the woman who's murdered. Like at first I thought the film was going to be about her. Mm -hmm. So at the start of the film, you learn that she's in a very unhappy relationship and she goes to see her therapist played by Michael Caine, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure we all know Michael Caine from, um, Michael Caine, Michael Caine. And she tells him what an unhappy, what a unhappy relationship that she's in. And she tries to come on to Michael King. And Michael King's like, nah, I ain't down to fuck. He's not having it. I ain't down to fuck. He tells her that he's not willing to ruin his marriage with a patient. So she goes out. She goes out into the city. This is New York City. It's this real grimy. It's real dirty. This is New York City. Uh, this is 80s New York City. There's right. HIV all over the walls. I just made that up. Um, the kind of New York City you like. The kind of New York City I prefer. HIV uh, New, York, New York City. Well, let's refer to it as Basket Case New York City. Hen and Lauder, New York. Hen and Lauder, New York City. And she starts flirting with this man at this museum. There's this exchange between the two of them. They go home together. They fuck. She wakes up before him. She's ready to leave. But first she wants to leave this man a little note about the wonderful time that she's had with him. Right? A- as you do. Right. So she starts going through this man's drawers. Okay. And she, his, his, his chest Underwear or his... <laughs> his chest of drawers. Okay. And she finds this letter addressed to this man from the New York City Health Department that he has recently contacted some type of venereal disease. Oh, so no. So now she's just freaking the fuck out, right? And then she goes and she tries to leave and she gets into this elevator and then she's fucking murdered. Okay, and I'm you know into what? that. And what's cool, the way the uh, murderer is portrayed it's kind of jalloish. Okay. Black gloves, but we can see their face. So, you know, it's not like a mask. Uh, it's still a whodunit because we still don't know who this person is who's uh, doing the murdering. So it's kind of like a jalo in a sense, but I would describe it more as an erotic thriller. Mm-hmm. And dog, give E-Dog 
all of the erotic thrillers. Like True Lies? Yeah, but True Lies is more, and I'm not dissing True Lies, but True Lies is definitely more of an action film. It definitely, it's James Cameron. Whereas Dress to Kill is kind of like slimy, and there's this sleazy, grimy, grimy mm-hmm. and there's this murder mystery going on, and there's some titties, and then there's some what? Some titties, <laughs> and there's some people that are just trying to fuck, and I'm hoping that they go and fuck. And um, I've always thought this film, like I've always had this idea about the, the Dress to Kill that it is long, because a lot of De Palma films are long. Is it long? I didn't feel like it was long. In fact, I think I finished it one day after work. And I'm saying that says a lot simply because after work, I'm always like tired and just want to take a nap. Um, So I'll wrap it up as a solid. Wrap it up, B. A a solid, sleazy, sexy. Ooh, sexy. (laughs) Murder mystery that I loved and am very happy was recommended to me. And I can't wait to check out more De Palma. And how did you watch it? I watched a physical disc from Netflix. Nice. You know, I've always wanted to see Dress to Kill, and it's just one that's been in my... Like, I feel like I agree with you. Like, De Palma's kind of in my blind spot. And I feel like I've, I would love him. He's always... It's always so weird. Me too. I feel like he's like one of those like auteur directors yeah. that like if I just gave him a chance... Yeah. Other people I feel like that are Walter Hill and Alex Cox. Like, I just need to dive into their filmography. And David Lynch. I mean, I've seen like Blue Velvet and... Mulholland Drive. Eraserhead. Sure. Twin I, and I like them. Yeah. I'm just saying these are like directors who I hear of and know sure. of. No, yeah, I got you. And I haven't investigated. Yeah. With with titties. So go ahead. With titties. Yeah, so Brian, so Dress to Kill, excellent film. And who recommended that to you? Uh, Shane Saw and uh, It's Probably Paranormal. Awesome. I guess I'll do my next one. Lay it on me, sir. All right, so <clears throat> from Christina, who is the Dream Warrior on uh, Instagram, she recommended Frank Henenlotter's Brain Damage. And it's now your new favorite movie, correct? From 1988. And, uh, you know, I didn't love this movie. You're fucking crazy. I liked it. You're fucking crazy. I feel like I would have liked it more if you let me borrow the Blu-ray and not that old how, fucking piece of shit DVD. amazing is the Dwayne cameo? It's awesome. It's I have that insane. I have that written right okay. here. Okay, here's I, my notes for Brain Damage. Lay it on me, sir. Brain Damage, 1988. I want to I know... I want to know the notes on why you didn't like it. <laughs> okay. Notes here are allegory for drug addiction, which is incredibly apparent. Sure. Uh, great effects at times, gross at times. Mm-hmm. And then in all caps, basket case cameo. That blew my mind. I was not expecting that. Doesn't he ask what's in the basket too? Or am I tripping? I think, no, they, they just, just look at each they other. They look at each other all awkwardly and he just gets up and walks away. Right. So yeah. good. No, that was awesome. So, <clears throat> brain damage. This is. Did a you film. know that was there? No, I had so no you were just completely surprised by that. He sits down with the basket, and I go, "Are That's you awesome. fucking joking?" That's awesome. And he walks away, and I was like, "I cannot believe that just happened." That's uh, awesome. So I did not know that. Cool. Um, so brain damage is a film from 1988. It's a film about I don't know the character names, but uh, uh, this is about a guy in a shitty, dingy apartment in New York City. New York City, because Hen and Lauder, Frank Hen and Lauder, the director, loves New York City dingy shit. Um, this is a film about this guy living in his apartment it's actually for as big as like what's happening in the film it's actually a tiny movie there's only like three locations four locations it's really small and so it's about him he i don't even how does he get i don't elmer? remember how he gets elmer elmer just comes to him because he's fed up that's of the right old people feeding he him comes to him in his animal okay so elmer uh is this i'm really not even trying to explain this kind of an alien slug in a way with a, a face. Fantastic personality. With a fantastic personality. 
he shows up uh, in his drain, in his uh, bathtub drain at, in his apartment building because Elmer has gotten fed up with his previous hosts, uh, this slug. Uh, he has gotten fed up with these two old people, um, so he's killed them, as far as I can tell. He doesn't kill them because, remember, they look for they, Elmer later. And they kill themselves. That's right. Uh, so they he, he gets there. And, okay, so basically what this... What does film, Elmer do? So what this film becomes, basically, is Elmer... Uh, is like this alien slug. He attaches on the back of our main character's neck and inserts some kind of psychedelic um, plasma. I'm really not sure. Uh, you got to remember, I've only seen this once. You know, this is a film you love. So, and uh, the the host of the of this person that he injects us into sees a lot of really fucked up stuff. It's you know it's it's an allegory for drug abuse is what it is. I feel like the portrayal is like they're on a fun trip. It's a hallucinogenic, but they're having a good time. It is, but the film, I mean, it's clearly a drug addiction allegory because uh throughout the film he needs it more and more and he can't he can't deal without it. And then he goes on a um our main character has like withdraws because he doesn't want to give in to Elmer's killing. Right, so whenever he's high, Elmer kills people. Right. Elmer kills people while he's high. So basically he makes his host numb and then asks to and then makes the host carry him into dark places and he kills people. And Correct. he oh and he eats their brains, which is great. He sucks their brains out uh a lot of times through their mouth, which I enjoyed. Okay, so give me your thoughts on the dick sucking scene. <laughs> so there's a scene late in the film where uh our main character is high on the substance and Elmer uh, comes out through our main character's uh, fly, his zipper on his pants. And uh, why don't you explain it? Okay, so uh, I, I can't remember the main character's name either. I can't either. I don't know why. Um, they're like at a dance, and there's this girl he's hooking up with, but he really is indifferent either way because he's so fucking high. Exactly. Uh, they go up to the roof. Uh, she goes to give him head, and Elmer pops up out of his zipper, as Keegan has just explained, and so and he won't let go. He's like, have her, I guess he has, I guess Elmer has her bitten by like her tongue. Yeah. So <laughs> her head's going back and forth looking like she's giving this guy head. But he's and, actually uh, Elmer, sucking the brains out of her. Elmer is killing her while it's happening. And it's the best thing ever because Frank Hennenlotter. Yeah. It is awesome. And I don't mean to sound down on it. I, uh, I don't know. I just didn't love it. I thought it was good. Um, okay. Well, what do you like more? Basket case. Basket or case. Brain damage? Basket case. Easy. <laughs> Why? Which one do you like more? Not gonna pick between my two favorite children. Basket case is better, much better. I like. I don't know. I feel like I never. Okay, brain damage. Okay. I feel like I never liked our main character for a second. Like I never oh. because it happens so quickly. He's just on drugs the whole movie, and he's basically catatonic. So our character is almost Elmer, and the only characters I know are his girlfriend and then the friend. Like, mm-hmm. but our main character is basically on drugs the whole movie. So I feel like I never attached to our character ever. And it was just a drug trip movie in a way, which again, I am not shitting on this movie. I really like brain damage. I just didn't, I never connected to it. I felt distant the whole time. And I feel like it had to do with like, oh, he's just on a drug trip and that's the film. Let me ask you this. Okay. Well, what about when he decides to finally kick Elmer? I liked that. I like, I was excited about that. And then uh, I have to say, I do really like the ending. I thought the ending was fucking cool. Right. But it's too much for him. Yeah. Um, do you feel like brain damage deserves its cred 
And do you feel like it's an 80s horror film that has gone under your radar that you're happy to have finally seen? For sure. Do you feel like it deserves the status of like, because when we talk about the 80s, we love the 80s. Yeah. Do you feel like it fits within that pantheon? I do. I, I you know, I, I have to say thank you to Christina for making this one of your recommendations because uh, this is a film I needed to see forever. Right. And so this was my opportunity to do it, but... Out of the three films I saw, I just couldn't. I had a hard time. Was connecting. this your least favorite of the? Three? No, I wouldn't say it's my least favorite. I just I didn't connect to it. I don't know. Wow. I felt distant the whole time I watched it, and I guess it's because I never felt like I had a main character in a way. Hmm. Uh, but I liked it. Yeah, I, I'd rather be honest. I don't want to just jock everything just to jock it. I liked Brain Damage. I just never connected to it, so I didn't love it. Hmm. Um, I liked all the violence. You know, sure. I liked Elmer's killings. I thought it was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, Basket Case is awesome because you you have a connection to those characters. You you really feel for them. It's a it's a you know film about those characters, right? Well, wait till you see Bad Biology, duh. Just a killer dick. Okay, what about uh, Frankenhooker? Have you not seen Frankenhooker? No, fuck no. I'm not a Hemlock guy. You know this. Wow. I like Basket Case, but that's about it. Wow. The Progeny. Did you finally watch? No, nope, your... not yet. Ooh. So I, I implore you. Watch Basket. I would like to apologize to Christina for not absolutely loving uh, one of your recommendations, but uh, thank you for recommending it to me for sure. Because I I needed to see Brain Damage. Right. I really liked it. I almost feel like a second watch. I'll like it even more. Right. I feel like the first time because I was I was trying to grasp all these concepts, which I really liked, but because I didn't have a character to go with, like here's a good way to explain it. Like Annihilation has a bunch of concepts that you have to grasp, right? But you have a character in Natalie Portman that you can go with on that journey and she's your audience surrogate. I never felt like I had an audience surrogate in this film. I felt like it was just him on drugs the whole movie. Do you feel like Elmer was the villain? Mm, I I guess. I mean, in an allegory for drugs, I certainly think he's a villain because he's a fucking drug that he's drugging this guy that goes into fucking relapse and shit. Like, yeah, I guess so. I liked him. I thought he was a funny character. I like when he sings in the sink. That was awesome. Yeah. That was cool. It's good stuff. I liked it. I just didn't outright love it. And I feel bad about it. So please, thank you so much, Christina, for recommending me Brain Damage. Eric, what is your next movie? Well, I'll go with Christina's recommendation. Let's hear next, it. Next, uh, this is a 1979 film called Tourist Trapped. Which I was kind of upset you picked, I have to say. Because well, I really, I, I've never seen it. <laughs> and I really want to see it. Um, Tell us about Tourist Trap. As I've as I've already stated, this is a film that had been on my list for a minute, so I was eager to jump at it. Same here. And thanks to Christina and Joe Bob Briggs, I've watched it twice within like a couple days of each other. I watched it just last week, and then uh, Joe Bob picked it as his first as his first pick, and I watched it with my mom the second time. Uh, anyways. Uh, Tourist Trap is a 1979 film directed by David Schmoller, who would go on to direct <laughs> the original Puppet Master. Nice, okay. And Are if you you've pumped on the Littlest Reich? I've never seen a Puppet Master, if Me I'm being either, honest. But I hear this new one is fucking nuts. Really? Yeah, so and I'm going to check Barbara it out. Crampton's in it, so. I hear it's nuts. Why would I not watch it? Yeah. So if you've seen the House of Wax remake, then you know the premise to Tourist Trap. Couple kids get stranded in a isolated town where there are figures, uh, in this case, mannequins, um, that seem to be possibly alive. That aren't what they seem. Yeah. But in Taurus's Traps uh, exception, there is a killer picking off the kids who himself wears a mannequin like uh, face. 
and he goes through different face is and it made me think of Leatherface because each face is very feminine. Mm-hmm. Here's the crazy thing about Tourist Trap. Without any explanation, the killer has telekinesis. So it's not that the mannequins are alive. It's that he can manipulate the mannequins into moving. So it's like Tina. And there is Tina. Has got telekinesis. Telekinesis. There is some incredible misdirection and jump scares in Tourist Trap. Okay. So you'll see what the killer's mask is. And then you'll see another mannequin in that same mask. And you don't know which is which. Right. Is that the killer or is that the mannequin? And it provided some truly incredible jump scares. Um, Some top notch. Specifically the first kill. I didn't know that there was telekinesis involved. And so I was freaking out. How are all these things just moving on their own? Um, Think... um, of that scene in Evil Dead 2 where he's like tripping and he's like laughing with like the deer head. Yes, I love it. That, but while a kid is getting murdered. It was freaking me out so much. I was like, fuck, am I going to turn this off? Because this is like 10 p.m. now on a Tuesday right. uh, by myself. And I thought, well, fuck. She picked me a good one because it was creepy. So it freaked you out. It freaked me out. Nice. Yes. I was a little bummed. And he, I won't say he turns into Bugs Bunny. But eventually, I like that we use that as a term on here a lot. I, w- I won't say he turns into Bugs Bunny, but eventually we start learning about the killer, and he's kind of got some wacky one-liners, and he eats a lot of carrots. Um, but I don't want to be down on that for you know giving the character um, a backstory, a backstory, An ethos. Sure. Yeah, um, definitely a solid ass uh, slasher film. Yeah, I need to see it. And like I said, I was almost kind of pissed you picked it. We could have both watched it, obviously, but sure. I wanted to make sure we had six films. But uh, I really want to see Tourist Trap, dude. I don't know why I haven't seen it. Is there a blue, or what's the sitch on that? I'm not 100%, but I'm just going to take a stab at it. How'd you watch I th- it? Shudder. Okay. I'm going to take a stab at it. There's a code red blue. No, I don't think so. No? Okay. I took a stab. I feel like there's a blue. If you're out there, shout into your car speakers whether yeah. there's a blue or not. Maybe yeah. we'll hear you. So, uh, solid, creepy slasher that I'm happy to have finally seen. Awesome. So, I per- so so far, we're two for two So yeah, on these picks. And I agree. I feel so bad. I liked Brain Damage. I just didn't love it. And I, you know, for it being one of your favorite films, I feel really bad. Well, I don't give a shit, though. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm more excited that you watched it. Yeah, for sure. And then, I saw that then, cameo. Then let alone having just never seen it. You know, if you, if you sat here and were like, dude, Brain Damage is the worst fucking movie no, ever, fuck no. I would still be no. like... I found it tight. You finally I found it wildly entertaining. I just didn't love it. You really can't pick between Basket Case and Brain Damage. I mean, if I had to, uh oh, (laughs) I wish you could see Eric's face. I would pick Basket Case two, the progeny. Just two. Okay. You know what? Next, if next time we do this episode, when are we going to do the Basket Case franchise ranked? Well, I was going to kind of say that next time we do this episode where we recommend each other films, know that one of them is going to be Basket Case two. Okay. Just know deep down. Just know that you're not getting away from that film. You know, it's funny because I have the the uh, triple pack. I know, that's still, and that's wild that you wouldn't have watched it yet. Yeah, sorry. So, your film was Tourist Trap. I need to see it. You know, we're huge fans of the House of Wax remake. And I feel like the reason we like the House of Wax remake is because it's a remake of Tourist Trap. I would sit here and I would tell you to watch Tourist Trap. Oh, can I tell you one of my <laughs> okay. favorite scenes? Is? Okay, what's that? 
so the man who so so they come into this town and there's seemingly only one man who lives there his name is mr slauson and he owns a museum dr barlow barlow and it's just mr um <laughs> he runs a museum you learn that his brother was the one who made all these mannequins and there's a civil war exhibit and there's this tremendous part where there's civil war mannequins come to life and try to kill one of the girls Okay. And I thought it was one of the uh, standout scenes in the film. I got to see it. How long is it? Oh, it's just like 90 minutes. Uh, like 90 minutes. It's just like 90 minutes. Not too long. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll get to my last film. So we're getting down to the nitty gritty. The nitty and the gritty. All right. Last film that I saw is a film that uh, I feel like I've said this a lot. I needed to see this movie. That's why I picked it. I'm glad um, you saw it. This is Mike Flanagan's Before I Wake. Yes. Have you seen this? I did. Okay. So this is uh, recommended by Shane and Kayla. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, before I Wake, Mike Flanagan's film that he made, I believe, before Ouija Origin of Evil. This was like 2014 originally, Yeah. Right? And then uh, it got caught in the um, relativity uh, bankruptcy. Finally got shit on the Netflix <laughs> Um, it's weird because everybody's like, "Oh, we have that Netflix movie." I'm like, no, "It's oh, been they, around for a minute." They didn't make it, but yeah. So they, I think they bought it in anticipation of having him do shit for that. Gerald's game, yeah, Gerald's game. Well, he's doing uh, the Shining sequel now, but that's not going to just be Netflix. No, no, that's a big. I think it's Universal. Okay. Um, what's fucking sick about that is Mike Flanagan directing and Ewan McGregor is going to be right, in that as, shit as old. Uh, what's the little boy? Didn't name? they just cast Rebecca Ferguson? They did. Okay. In in Doctor Sleep. Wow. Fuck yeah. So anyways, um, that is Doctor Sleep. So Before I Wake is a film directed by Mike Flanagan. We really like this director. He did Gerald's Game. He did Ouija 2. And he did Hush. Uh, Hush. I feel like we're forgetting one. Oh, Oculus, which is also a pretty good movie. Abstentia. Uh, Abstentia. It is called Absentia, but that's okay. Is that not Mike Flanagan? It is, but you said Abstentia. It's Absentia. Oh... Mr. Barlow. Keep on going. Okay. I just want you to start singing. His voice commanding me. <laughs> okay. So uh, here we go. Before I wake, I saw it on Netflix. And I'll just read my notes and then we'll get into it. Uh, I put, they were right. They were right to recommend it to me. Uh, great metaphor horror. Because I believe one of the things that they had, had told me was, I think you'd like it because it's metaphor horror. And it is. Uh, never thought it was really scary. but I found the canker man kind of creepy. So that's what I was going to say. Never thought it was really scary, but had a great monster. Sure. And uh, about stages of grief, uh, accepting this horrible accident, accident about her dead son. And I said a little too much explanation at the end of the film, uh, just like Gerald's Game, an info dump. But it's also a really sweet film. Thomas Jane. So, yeah, I really liked it, man. It's uh, So what Before I Wake is about, it's about this uh, married couple that has uh, their son died. Uh, in this accident where uh, they left him in the bathtub unattended and he drowned in the bathtub. So their son is dead and they decide to, uh, I think it's like a year after he died, they decide to adopt a child to replace, not to replace, but to, you know, become parents again because they were parents and now they're not. So they adopt this child and uh, it's Jacob Tremblay, isn't it? He's a big star now. He was in Room. He's a big star. So anyways, he is... Couldn't think if it's him or not. I think it may be. I think it's him, dude. Anyways, he has some kind of uh, supernatural entity following him around. And uh, every time this child that they adopt uh, goes to sleep, shit goes crazy. 
what he dreams happens, right? That's exactly right. So what he dreams happens to them in their house. So in a way, it's like a haunted house film, but the house isn't haunted. The kid is. He, when he falls asleep, uh, crazy shit. If he has a good dream, good stuff happens. If he has a bad dream, really bad stuff happens in the house. Right. And you learn he tries to keep himself up. Right. So He's on pills, caffeine. He's on pills. I'm on drugs. (laughs) I'm all fucked up. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I just made my whole day. So, uh, yeah, so what they learn is like he's taking caffeine pills and he's drinking uh, uh, sodas and stuff, trying to stay awake because he he doesn't like to go to sleep. And so um, through a series of events, one of the times he falls asleep, uh, they get to a chance to see their dead child again. And they think it's like a message from God or something. Right, but it's just because he like was recently shown pictures of the kid, right? Right, so what, what ends up happening is the mother ends up teaching – the kid all about her son so that every time he goes to sleep, the mother can see her dead child again. And then, um, so in a way, like I almost felt like it was like a, an, an, a metaphor for like abuse as well. Cause like, she's like abusing emotionally abusing the child by like to come back. Yeah. Just for her gain rather Here, than for the kid. Here's what's fucked up. Though. Okay. Here's what's fucked up. When the dreams come to life, it's like as he dreams them. Right. So there's a really creepy moment where you learn about a past family that he lived with. Uh, the mom died. Yes. Is that correct? And so there's a part where he's having a dream about uh, this this lady. And so this man is happy to see his wife again, but it's how the kid remembers her. Yeah. Uh, not how the wife actually looks. And she looks creepy as hell. Yeah, it's real fucked up. There's yeah. a lot of like creepy shit. And it, ultimately the film becomes this horror movie because of this thing called the canker man. Right. Correct. So it's this like lanky, I wouldn't say uh, like slender man, but you know what it reminded me of? It was like a creepy pasta monster. Yeah. Like, it was really fucked up looking. It scared me like the first couple times, but the more I saw it, I kind of was like, okay, I'm not scared by this, but I, I liked it. I feel like I had the exact same reaction. I didn't like the first time I saw it, I was like, Oh fuck, that's scary. And then I got excited. I'm like, okay, here we go. I didn't really find the film scary really at any point. I think Gerald's game has scarier moments than oh, this, yeah. but, uh, I really liked Fucking it. It's totally looking man. Terrifying. Yes. Before I wake is a really sweet, like metaphor horror film about like accepting that their child died and that they need to move on. And, um, the stages of grief and it's, it's a metaphor for all these things. And I really, really liked it. Um, but I never found it scary and, I think it suffers. I think Mike Flanagan might have a problem with ending movies because this film showed me it's the exact same ending that I didn't like about Gerald's game where I feel like it wraps up. Like it's almost like a book ending rather than a uh, movie ending. So he just dumps like a ton of crap at the end and then it's just over. And I'm like, okay, Uh, he did the same thing with Gerald's game. They become these montages at the end of the film, Mm -hmm. dumping a bunch of info on you. Well, it was this and this and this and this, and you find out what the canker man is and what he stands for and stuff. And I I don't think I should say, no, um, I think that's a fun reveal. I I do too, but I don't like the way Mike Flanagan uh, told you what it was. Yeah, His, his, I love Mike Flanagan. He's a great director, but those, these two endings are so similar. Um, I thought it was a problem because he was trying to recap Stephen King's story. In Gerald's game, I don't think this is a pre-existing property. I think he made this is his film, right? Before mm-hmm. I wake, I'm not sure. If it's based on a book, it makes sense because he's he's basically dumping the whole book at the end of the film. And if it's not, that's just what Mike Flanagan does, I guess. So again, I you know I borderline loved Before I Wake. I thought it was really good, a really sweet 
metaphor for grief. Um, I didn't think it was scary, but I really liked it. And you liked it? Absolutely. Yeah. It uh, made me sad at times. It made me happy at others. <laughs> and the Cankerman is cool. As all good films do. Yes. So before I wake from Shane and Kayla, thank you guys for recommending that one. That was perfect for me. I really liked it. So um, I just think it has a weird ending. Not again, not physically what happens in the ending, the way he puts it together where it's an info dump montage. I just think that's very odd. And with that, Eric, what is your final watch this My film? My final film came from Melissa Mazaris. You're thank you. You're welcome for finally pronouncing your last name correctly. Shout out. Yep. Uh, this film is called Chained. 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 Chain, chain, chain. Faces change, cha cha changes. What about that one? Turn and face. <laughs> okay, so Go this ahead. is a 2012 film uh, directed by Jennifer Lynch, who I don't know who that is. Nice. Do you know who Jennifer Lynch is? Yeah, she's made a couple films that we're not remembering because we're idiots. I feel like I looked at her IMDb and she's just done a shit ton of television. Yeah, she's a. I can't remember. Go ahead, please proceed. Okay. Uh, this movie stars Vincent D'Onofrio. Okay. Did I pronounce his name correctly? Yes, you did. Okay, Nice good. job. Yeah, then we're off to a good start. I think you're making progress here. Yes, with my name. On, no, on your pronunciations. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure I fucked up a jeez. Uh, Jennifer Lynch is the daughter of David Lynch. You're lying. You're lying. Okay, I have Jennifer Lynch pulled up, and it says David Lynch, father. Huh. So there you go. Well, hell, I, I seriously on her IMDb, this is like her only film. Not that it matters. Please proceed. Continue. Okay. So a no Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> I hate you. A Okay. Well, that kind of got me more stoked on this film, knowing that it came from the man, someone who behind Twin Peaks, his daughter. Um. So Vincent D'Onofrio plays Bob. Vincent D'Onofrio. So I found that I watched this on Shudder. Okay, go ahead. I don't know how she found it, but she too watched it on Shudder. Okay, so Vincent D'Onofrio plays Bob. And Bob is a serial killer who drives a taxi. And that is how he picks up his victims. So at the start of the film, we meet this very young family. This man and wife and their nine-year-old son. The wife and the son are going to go to the movies. And whenever the father drops them off, he insists that they take a cab. And the wife's like, no, cabs are expensive. We'll take public bus transportation. And the husband's like, no, buses can be dangerous. Take a cab. So they come out of the theater. They're talking about how much they enjoyed the film they just saw. And who pulls up even before they even fucking call for a taxi? A cab. Bob. Vincent D'Onofrio, the serial killer. But is he in a cab? He's in a cab. Let me also say, take the underpass, it's safer. Yes. Do you know what that's from? Yeah, that's from uh, the 1937 film uh, where faces must go. Gaspar knows Irreversible. Please proceed. Yes, that's my next guess. Okay. <laughs> so, D'Onofrio. So, Vincent D'Onofrio. So, Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, he work, pulls up. Working with a lisp. But I feel like he does a good job of playing like these like emotionally stunted crazy madmen. I think so. Uh, with the only examples I have being Daredevil and Full Metal Jacket. And Jurassic World. And Jurassic World. So he picks up the mother and this nine-year-old son. 
and he promptly murders the mother. Okay? He drives them to their house. It's this secluded-ass house. Um, he parks in their garage. He takes the mom, murders the mom. The nine-year-old son is able to hear the commotion. Finally, Vincent D'Onofrio comes back out, takes the son, and lets the, and lets the son know, like, you're mine now. Okay? Like, he's not going to let him go. And this dude has just killed his mother. This sounds skeezy, right? Mm-hmm. So, he explains some very strict rules to him. Uh, Bob lets the kid know right away, I'm going sti- to still keep killing women. And whenever I bring them home, you're going to be tasked with um, unlocking the door for me when I'm coming in, as well as cleaning up whatever mess I've made. And he learned that Vincent D'Onofrio has cameras all around the house. And so there's like quick little tidbits where like there's like a bloody bed and the nine-year-old is having to clean up uh, this mess. Well, one day the kid decides he's going to try to escape. And there's a crawl space in the attic and he tries to get out, but Bob is out there waiting for him. And he tells the little boy, if you can get down from the roof, I'll give you like a 30-second head start before I chase you. And he's throwing rocks at him. And finally, one of the rocks hits him in the head. He falls off the roof. And when he wakes up, he has him chained, hence the title, <laughs> to the wall. Okay? You ready for this? Ten years pass. Holy shit. And the little boy is, now he's like 19, is still chained to the fucking wall. Okay? And Vincent D'Onofrio finally decides that he wants to teach him his trade. And thus... Chained. So, crazy shit happens. Hilarity ensues. Does the little boy have it in him to be the serial killer that mm-hmm. Vincent D'Onofrio wants him to be? I thought it was just a crazy fucked up idea about this little boy's chained to a wall for 10 fucking years. The film itself is not very violent or gory, but there were some particularly fucked up moments. Um, there's flashbacks where we see why D'Onofrio turned out the way he did. Mm -hmm. And there's this super fucked up moment where you learn that his abusive father made him fuck his mom. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And the, and the father says something like, like talking to the wife, like, I want you to feel your son inside of you. And I was just like, Oh God, you like, this is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of felt like it, it concluded in, in kind of, uh, I wasn't too stoked on the way it ended, but I feel like if you're looking for serial killer type of films, yeah. Henry, Man Bites Dog, uh, this is an excellent uh, inclusion. This hmm. is definitely one to seek out if you're looking for serial killer cinema. Damn. That is chained. I want to see it, but it, don't, it sounds like a fucking downer in a way. You know, I like downer films, but it's hard. It's always hard to, to start them. Here's what was most exciting about Chain for me. Anchor Bay released it. I didn't know that. And there You was don't remember a- that DVD? No, I remember it very well. That's awesome that you remember it at Hastings. Yeah, because it's a horror. Because it's uh, chained is part of that like wave of films that came out where all the covers look the same. Somebody chained to a wall, somebody in a trap, somebody being tortured. Because it came out in the wake of Saw. I'm not saying this film was influenced by Saw. Right. I'm saying the marketing certainly was. Right. Um. It's a sail, like in the wind, and then it turns into the A. No, like, that's like, tight. tight. That's tight. So from the from the start, I was pumped on the film. When are you going to get an Anchor Bay tattoo? I already got one, Doc, on the back of my calf. It's a lie. I'll show it to you after we get done recording. 
So, I have to say the films that were recommended to me. Yes. Dressed to Kill, Tourist Trap, and Chain. Three for three. I greatly enjoyed each film, and I would recommend our listeners, if any of them sound tight to you, check them out. Your thoughts on your films. Yeah, I definitely agree. Before I Wake from Shane and Kayla, really liked it. Perfect for me. Metaphor Horror, really liked it. Brain Damage from Christina, really liked it. Had needed to see this film forever. Um, just didn't love it. Just just liked it, but didn't connect to it. But it's it's awesome. Everybody should probably see Brain Damage. Like That's that's what I would say about it. That, it's, that's Horror Movie 101. Yeah, it's quite a film, I have to say. Or is it more like Horror Movie 201? Probably 201. Okay. Uh, and then Hell House LLC from Shane and Kayla, uh, a film that I just really wanted to see and was legitimately scared at times by it. Um, there's an image in the film that I still remember, that girl fucking uh, laying against the wall by this dude's bed. I don't like waking up in the middle of the night and seeing shit. All right, I don't think anybody does. So shit like that scares me. I think the film is cool. I hate having to get up and pee because immediately my mind goes somewhere negative. <laughs> well, you're kind of a negative guy. That's fair. No, you're not. So, uh, yeah. So, before I wake, Brain Damage and Hell House LLC, I'd recommend them to everybody. I mean, they're three good films, and it's awesome that we got them from our listeners. Like, it's weird that we have listeners that can recommend us shit we like. Like, that's fucking right. awesome. Um, so, in the future, we'll probably do this again. Um, so, if you're out there and you want to recommend something for a future watch this, definitely start thinking or just shoot us a message, and I'll try to write it down for a future episode. Um, but, yeah. That concludes our Watch This episode of the podcast, um, episode two. You know, it's funny because when I made the Watch This title, I wasn't sure if – I put episode one on it. Do you remember that? I do. I wasn't sure if so I was So is this episode two? Yes, it is. Okay. I wasn't sure if we'd ever do a Watch This episode two. And not only did we do a part two, we're saying we might do a future one. Well, I was going to say it's cool that we like switched it up a little. And for sure. Recommendations from, and super thanks to them from for, listeners. for having the idea of doing it. I mean, uh, such a great idea. Um, so I will announce here that I think our next episode. Uh-oh. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a... It's going to be one about nightmares. Yes. It's going to be street. one about terrorized children. <laughs> it's going to be one with children in peril. It's going to be about one about questionable fashion tastes and it's going to be about one about a bad fucking remake that will inevitably be our least favorite let's not announce it let's see if anybody can guess or should we say what it is? <laughs> i think i already said a street you said nightmares okay let's not say it our next episode if, if, if you if you weren't able to guess that title yeah hit the call button keegan will go over there and hit you over the head with a hammer exactly uh so our next episode of the podcast will be about uh we're gonna rank an entire film franchise you know what i already know what band i'm gonna do for the coffin for for my terror tunes close you back perfect close you back up close you back ain't fighting me yeah so we're gonna rank that franchise that i guess we're not gonna say uh but uh, it deals with the street and it deals with uh dreams and uh and it, it was created by a master and it might deal, of the genre. It might deal with dream warriors. It might deal with dream masters. It might deal with dream childs. It also might be new. It might deal with one's revenge. Okay. And on that note, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we will be back with ranking an entire franchise based around everything we just talked about. And uh, yeah, we got to get going. We got we to gotta start watching those films. Uh, Eric, do you have anything to say here at the end? Just the usual. Thank you for listening. And where can you find us? There you go. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, 
at Ghoul Squad FM. FM. Um, and now, did you say this already? Like, we're on various uh, sh- uh, podcast yes. streaming platforms now. We're on several streaming platforms, and one of them is a big deal Spotify. Yeah. Ghoul Squad is on Spotify. So please, if you listen to podcasts on Spotify, Add us. Listen to us on Spotify. We're everywhere. And this is all thanks to Anchor. And here's what's cool about Anchor.fm. Go to our page, anchor.fm slash ghoulsquadfm, and it'll show you all of the places you can listen to us now. Of course, if you listen to us through iTunes, we're still in iTunes. Just saying we have more places. We're available everywhere now, and that's very exciting. Including Keegan's mom's bedroom. And we never said we're recording this in my apartment. Nope. We're not next to Eric's loud fridge. Yep. We're next to our loud fridge. So whenever I was screaming peckerheads, do you think any of your neighbors heard me? I hope so. Good. I hope that they think that we're doing nefarious things in here. And I guess in a way we are. Screaming into mic. <laughs> screaming into mic. So with that, thank everybody out there for listening. Thank special shout out to Shane, Kayla, and Christina. You guys yeah. are awesome. And Melissa as well for recommending the films. Correct. And I think that's it. It's over. Enjoy goals you back off. For the 25th time. And we'll be back reviewing. Should we change the intro? Let us know. Do you think so? No, I don't think so. Actually, tweet us if you want to hear another song. You want to hear another Ghoul Squad song? Because there are two more available. Well, they're not Ghoul Squad songs. You know what? I will like search my mom's house. Dude, that would be fucking awesome if you could find some. And I know one time. Uh, We're talking about Prom Night. This is Eric's horror punk band from a long time ago. Yes. He gave me like a CD of like songs that we recorded. That'd be fucking dope. Uh, Eric was in a band called Prom Night Girls, uh, and this song that's our intro and it is playing right now is called Ghouls You Back Off by Prom Night Girls, and I guess we'll see you guys later. Goodbye. Ghouls You Back Off.